Welcome to RDO Podcast. This is your host, Eric Fontaine. I'm here with Derek Machado. Derek, you have officially joined the resistance. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, my brother, Eric. I'm, I'm doing very good, man. Thank you. Uh, join the resistance. That's what's up. That's, That's it. What's up. I like that right there. <laughs> All right. So, Derek, you've got your own clothing line. This is yeah. uh, something we haven't had on the show just yet this is uh this is unique man you have your own clothing line um i like the history behind the name we're gonna go into that a little more but i want to give you a chance to give people a brief intro about who you are um what you're about and kind of how you got started uh with your own clothing line and and being self-employed okay um as you said before my name is uh derek machado um Puerto Rican descent. I was born and raised in the Bronx. Um, I like to say I was raised, raised in the hood. Reason being, by the time I was um, a freshman in high school, I went to nine different grammar schools. Um, you know, thank God I, I never got left back. Uh, I was always considered to be an intelligent kid. Um, um, <laughs> athlete. I was, I was very athletic. When I was young, always a hustler. <clears throat> now, I want to say that and I want to give a definition for that because a lot of people pertain hustling to selling drugs and, and all illegal activities on what we used to call trying to come up. So for me, it was never about to come up. And, and, and um, yeah, I didn't have growing up, but the hustle wasn't about somebody got Jordans and I want them. Somebody got this and I want it. The hustle was always about, I didn't have. Right. So I wanted to make sure when I was out and about, I wanted something in my pocket. Um, so with that, my hustle story begins. One time I wanted, I don't know if people are going to remember this, man, but there were things called city wings. They uh, pair of sneakers by Pony. They were kind of like biting off of the Jordans at the time. They had, yeah. they had colorways and all of that. Okay, you remember city wings? <laughs> yeah, I've seen ponies. I've seen okay. ponies. So um, I remember going up to my pop one day. I was like, Phew, nine, ten maybe. And I was like, um, pop, I want a pair of city wings. So uh, at this point, we was already in Jersey. We moved from, from, from the Bronx to Jersey. So he was like, all right, cool. I know what he was doing. He was just, my pop never told me no. So he would find ways to say no. So he was like, look, mm-hmm. you, go, you go get half the money. I'll put up the other half of the money. So I was like, all right, cool. So I'm nine, I'm running around the neighborhood and I'm, I've always been a thinker. I'm the type of person that when you say something, I won't say something. I won't say anything back, but I'll think about what you said, how you said it, why you said it, the tone that that's always been me. So, I, you know, I'm hanging out with my friends, whatever. Me and my mother one time go to um, um, ShopRite uh, supermarket up here. So we go into ShopRite and I see these kids bagging. So I'm like, I can get the other half. So this is when I guess Derek comes out. So I walk up to the man, I walk up to the cashier. I said, who's the manager? And the guy was like, is there a problem? I'm like, no, nah, can I speak to the manager? So I go to the manager. I said, how many aisles do you have for cashiers? So the guy was like 15. So I'm like, what if I brought 15 kids over the bag and I was on the other side, just directing the traffic of, the, of, the, of, of whoever's buying and making sure the, the aisles were, were, were full and, and the customers get in and out. 
So he was like, I okay. He goes, you'll just make sure everybody gets out quickly. He goes, but how does that benefit you if you're bringing kids to bag for you? And I was like, I'll just charge them more 10%. And he was like, why would you only want 10%? I was like, because as long as there's more than 10 people, I'll always make more than 100%. Right. So he was like, okay. So I remember going to my pop one day, you know, we used, every weekend we would go to the park, whatever. So he was like, where'd you get the sneakers? And I was like, I bought them. So again, <laughs> I'm from the Bronx. So the first thing my dad thought was like, oh, I hope been you're not stealing. Yeah, you've been. Yeah, you, you wild. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, nah, Pop, come on. So I went under the bed and I had a, a sneaker box full of money. He was like, what are you doing? And I was like, look, I always make sure I pick up the least 12 kids from the, from the, from the, from the park. Guys I know. I bring him to shop, right? We go bagging for like three or four hours. Everybody got sneakers. So he was like, wait, you working? I was like, yeah. He was like, then you know what? Buy me some sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the confirmation for that was awesome because he was like, you know, like you out there and you going to get it. I know how you, I know you know how to get it. Yeah. Like, you know, him, him, him looking at me, but saying that's not what you're choosing to do. So, um, I've been hustling, man, all my life, brother. It's like, it's like, and, and one thing that I've always done is I've always tried to instill that into all the kids in my family. Like my wife and I, we're that aunt and uncle that everybody comes to. So, you know, we're like that with our kids, our godchildren, our nephews and nieces. Um, it's always, you know, every time they come to us, they, they know they're not going to get the generic, like, oh, go work for it. You know, I'm the type of person, I'll be like, well, perfect example, <clears throat> one of my nephews a couple years ago, he was telling me, you know, I want to get on, I want to, I, I want to buy a Lexus, I want to buy this. And I'm like, look, if you don't have any kids and you don't have a wife, why don't you have two jobs? So he was yeah. like, why? I was like, go get a job to pay your bills, go get a job that you and put that money in the bank account that has no debit card, no nothing. Make sure you, you lock in the IRA with that because he was too young for a 401k. I was like, lock in the IRA. I was like, yo, start reading up on stocks. He's like, you serious? I'm like, look, man, I could tell you all you want to know about the streets. That's not a problem. I was like, but you know what? That's not going to get you anywhere. I was like, what will get you somewhere is if you bust your butt now. And when you do have a kid and you have a wife, you actually have concrete meaning the foundation under you to build something. I said, yeah. you don't have to know what you want to do. I said, that's fine. Don't know what you want to do, but do something. You know, so that's how I always, like, like my nephews and nieces, I, I'm, I'm grateful for this. They look, they look at me and my wife as, 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 as successes. Um, no, I'm not sitting in a 10-bedroom, 40-bathroom, 30-acre <laughs> house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, my... To me, what I see as successful is, for instance, my nephew Brandon owns his own business. Um, My goddaughter Peyton, she owns her own baking company. When my daughter needs money, she sells pillows. You know, she'll design pillows, she'll sew them up. She got sewing machines. She's like, yo, I need some money. So if I get 15 pillows, I get exactly what I need. You know, um, so for me, that's a success because all I've ever looked up to in my family was guys who were trying to get over. I love my family, you know, all my heart. But um, 
<clears throat> we grew up, we, we grew up very humble. So watching my uncles bust their back in jobs that they were never progressing, that wasn't the move for me. Yeah. You know, I was, yeah, I was always around the, the, the MCM leather seats and the BMW. I was around all of that, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, what intrigued me more than that, man, was, was family. And, and like, like I have a, a, a lot of people say as a business owner, I have a strange relationship with money because I really don't care about money. Money's like, it's, it's, it's a tool, you know? And people always tell me like, how are you a businessman? You don't care about money. I was like, I know how to handle my business. Right. But it's always people over profit for me. So I think for you, the, the most important thing about your story or at least the foundation of it is that entrepreneurial spirit. You know, that's 100%. that understanding that you can go out and get it and and you can be pulling in that that money that's equivalent to some of those those hustles that'll get you locked up, but you don't have to be on that side of things. You know, there's yeah. a clean way to do it where you can express your own creativity, you can dive into offering services and products. And, and building a business that's actually of value and helping people. And again, maybe understanding just with that spirit, some people fall into the wrong side of things because they don't mm-hmm. want to work that job. They don't want to, you know, take the slow route, so to speak. So they get yeah. caught up in those things. And that's, that, look, my dad told me something when I was real young. He said, look, you do that. And I'm going to keep it clean here. But, you know, he said uh, you got one of two two choices. If you go that route, you either end up dead or in jail, you know, and that's Easy. that's it. That's yeah, that's where it leads. So people need to understand there's a clean way to go out there and hustle and, and earn that big money. Really, I mean, yes. to, to change it up and, and really transform your life. So mm-hmm. you've you've got a pretty colorful background here i mean you you've got a range of experience uh that's something i can relate to myself i see that in you and that's part of the reason i I really wanted to have you on you know we talked about you're doing consulting with artists wall street executives musicians tell me a little bit about that and we'll kind of take it step by step as we go through a little bit of your experience and, and help people understand where you come from on that. Okay. Um, the funny thing about consulting, um, I didn't actually know I was a consultant until somebody told me I was a consultant. And the funny thing is I never knew what consultants do. My wife, she's a property manager. So one time she was working at a property and she comes up to me. She's like, there's this dude in the building who makes $30,000 a week. And I was like, okay. She goes, he never leaves his house. And I'm like, well, you know, from where I'm from, and I'm thinking clean, I'm thinking he's a fun baby. You know, whatever. Maybe maybe that's 30,000 interest. That Mm -hmm. his pop left him a billion dollars or whatever. She's like, no, his paperwork says he's consulting. So it's funny enough, one day I go to have lunch with her and I meet this guy by accident. Like I walk in and and I'm um, I'm not a suit and tie guy. I love suits. I think I think the, the 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 aesthetic of suits is dope. I think the way people put I'm me, I'm I'm I wear hats, I wear hoodies, I wear polos, I wear button down. So I'm always me whenever I go. So he looked up and he said, Hey, 
he knew my wife from, from the building. So he was like, what do you do? He asked me. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm explaining to him, you know, I'm in the music industry, but I also advise people. I, I, uh, people hire me as a manager for advice, but he was like, oh, you're a consultant. So I was like, my man, listen, what is that? <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> so he goes, he goes, listen, he, he had like 30 years on Wall Street. So he was like, all the experience I've acquired through my, through the Wall Street and in life, people pay me now to, to advise them or give them a direction or a path to go on. He goes, that's what you're doing. I'm like, essentially, yeah. So um, everybody in my family is creative. The generation before me, it was shunned upon to be creative because the, the, the ideology of being a creative and making money and, and sustaining your family, they didn't, they didn't coincide. Right. So in other words, if you was an artist, there was no way to feed your family. You were going to be a starving artist because that's what people thought. Artists yep. make money when they die. So um, I don't know what box that I fit in. So I didn't really fall into none of that. My thing was like, I, I, you know, I knew how to rhyme. I, I used to just write rhymes. I used to write poetry. I used to just write. And the funny thing is when I say write, I, I, everything was off the head. I, I, didn't, I didn't learn how to write an actual rhyme to five years into recording. They would put a beat on, I would just spit. And it was all life, you know, like this is what it is. Um, I would have conversations with artists and I would kind of get shunned in the conversation because every artist's conversation was, I want to get a record deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My conversation with them was, that's cool, but what is a record deal? Why is the record deal? What are they doing? What are they getting? Yeah. You know, somebody hit me over the head publishing. I'm like, wait, what's publishing? Oh, you should sell it. I'm like, okay, but I want to know why and what is. And then I realized that publishing is where artists really make money. So I would go into meetings or go into studio sessions and I would actually spend more time talking than what I was doing in the booth. So what I actually had to learn was how to write quick, record quick, and then go finish my conversation. Right. And that turned into artists um, yo, uh, maybe you should manage me or, okay, how do I own my masters and how do I do this? And, and how do I, um, like management and artists, people don't realize that the manager works for the artists. So a lot of artists, when I came up, thought that they worked for the manager, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like the manager's responsibility is that he knows people, he's, he has connections and he can advance your career. That's how he gets paid by advancing your career. Right. You're not you're not the employee. You're the employer. Yeah. And that's that's a misconception, I think, because, you know, manager perceptively is always someone that you're under, you know, someone that someone that manages you, someone that tells you what to do. And, uh, you know, it just so happens that a lot of artists that get into this and actually begin to make it somewhere, they understand nothing about business. They understand nothing about uh, contracts, about what that relationship is between themselves and the label. And mm-hmm. on top of that, the other individuals that they have for hire. So such as a manager or an accountant or whoever. And, you know, not to go on too much of a tangent, but I think there's an education aspect that's missing there. And that's where the value in someone like yourself that that would be doing 
legitimate consulting and advising them in the direction that's going to serve their own interest. That's, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a really valuable connection to have. Yeah. And, and, and two things that you said that a lot of people don't realize um, coming into the game and this is going back to money. People get blinded by money. Nobody wants to learn anymore. Like learning is taboo. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the other thing is um, a lot of people don't want to be advised. They think they know it all. Like you, there's, there's so many people, and I come from hip-hop and R&B, <clears throat> so many people in, in that genre that will sit there and be like, yo, I'm a hustler. And I, I, would, I would listen for the, to their two-hour rant, and then I'd be like, if you a hustler, how come you ain't doing nothing? They'd be like, what do you mean? If you such a hustler, how come you here asking to be signed? How come you asking for somebody to manage you? How come you not out there putting your money where your mouth is and making people come to you? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what you should be doing. You should be putting everything where it should be. You should be putting your money behind you. You should be putting your grind and your hustle behind you and make people come up to you and be like, I want to work with you. Opposed yep. to you asking for a job application because that's what you're doing. And making an uninformed decision. They don't understand that they might get a, let's say a million dollar contract, but they're only making 23, 24, 25 cents a dollar, you know, on sales. If they're lucky. It's funny. Yeah. I tell every artist this when they, when I, cause every time somebody come up to me, I'll be like, listen, I want to know one of two things. Do you want to own or do you want to be an artist? Do you want a record deal? I mean, do you want a record deal or do you want to own your own record company? Because if you, oh, no, no, I just want to get a record deal to get on. Okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with making that your first step. I said, but do you know that your record contract, and we're not talking 360s, we're talking about a regular record contract, you're only getting 12% of 85%. And they're like, no, I'm like, no, listen. In the 80s and the 90s, nobody got their percentage of 100% because that 15% was called um, DJ dues, meaning they, the, the, the vinyl they sent out to DJs and all that promo came out of that 15%. So since they're not making money on that 15, you're not. So you're getting 12% of 85%. I don't understand that. Okay, so go back to algebra and go figure that out. Mm. And now let's talk business. Yeah, you know, pull and, the calculator out. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and you know, and, and they, they don't realize it. And plus, you start to learn the the value in intellectual property you know like they don't realize that oh i want to own my masters what's a master i said what's a master oh i own my music what's a master a master what is that that is the fact that you put your money into your album and when you copyrighted your name is on it you own that 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 performance right so now you need to understand like i tell every artist is your name trademark and they'll be like, wow. I'll be like, do you know that Jay-Z works for Jay-Z Inc.? Mm-hmm. Madonna works for Madonna Inc. She incorporated her name. Yep. So now when you're signing a contract with her, you're not signing a contract with her. You're signing a contract with her company who has the rights to her. Right. You know, and, 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 and you know, <clears throat> I don't know it all. But I've always been the type of person that, like, whatever I don't know, I want to go find that out. You know, and then in, in doing music, I got I got introduced to different people, record executives, some some executives right now that I'm that are that are very influential in the music industry now. But to me, they're just family. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But these people would introduce me to people. And what happened with Wall Street is 
I actually met somebody who was working on a documentary called uh, Modern Day Min- Modern Day Miracles. And what it was was it's a documentary based on sobriety sobriety after the fact. So okay. people who are successful 10 to 15 years after being sober. And mm-hmm. I came in because a music producer went up to the, the, the main finance guy, the guy who owns it, and was like, give me 3500 and I'll give you the music. So, so he was supposed to score the movie. And what he did is he gave him tracks. Okay. Like, here, you, you can have the rights to them. You know, you own them. I, let me just get my check. And they called me and they're like, I'm like, but that's not how it's supposed to work because each track is supposed to invoke an emotion in that scene. And so now I came in from a consultant to actually producing records on it, mixing the out, mixing the, the documentary. Um, and so we we became really good friends, the 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 the, the guy who owned the company, and um it started turning into look, I got a somebody who wants to produce and they want me to manage them. I'm like, but if you don't know the in and outs of the music industry, whether you're successful on Wall Street or not, this is a different industry. So I would literally get paid to tell people no. Gotcha. So (laughs) let me ask, do you think your expertise and your insight, were you able to generate that just off of your own intellect, off of mostly experience? What would you attribute, you know, that insight to? Because you obviously knew more than the people you were consulting about something. So Mm -hmm. where does that process how does that process take place? Um, first of all, it comes from curiosity and always asking why. You know, some people see that as a detriment to, to achieving anything when I always tell people the reason why Einstein was smart and so intelligent wasn't because he was smart and intelligent. It's because he asked questions. Yeah. And so all of it comes from everything that you mentioned. The experience comes from me reading uh, it comes from me just, you know what, I don't know, but I'm going to dive in and figure it out anyway, taking notes along the way. And so I had no issue with learning. You know, I had no issue putting the work in to figure it out. I'm going to go have a meeting with a record company and they talk in publishing. So if that meeting's two two weeks out, I'm going to go make sure I do my research on publishing as an artist, as a publisher, and as a record company. So when I go in there, I have an idea of what they're talking about. Um, also, because I wouldn't talk as much in the initial meeting. And what I mean by that was I would sit down with someone and I would take notes and mental notes. I'll write notes down, but I'm listening. Because if I don't know something, I'm not going to answer it. You know, like, like uh, hey, um, sign this contract. Well, what's in the contract? Oh, you know, the standard stuff. Yeah, I wasn't the one to be like, okay. I was the one to sit there and read. Like, I actually learned how to read contracts. So I would sit in, 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 in meetings and read the contract. They'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm reading the contract. Why you got publishing in a, rec- in a recording contract? They'd be like, oh, that's standard. That's not standard. Publishing and recording are two different things. Mm-hmm. Like, this needs to be in a separate contract. Oh, you know what? You know too much. That's fine. Because I'd rather know too much than be jerk. You know what I'm saying? But right. I attribute it to, I mean, it's hustle. Like, like 
if you want to achieve something, how are you not studying what you're doing? You know, and I don't, I'm not telling anybody, let's say you want to start, you know, like a lawn mowing service. I'm not saying, okay, I want to do that, but let me learn everything first. No, that's not what I'm saying. At least learn the fundamentals and then be willing to fail while you're learning. So right. I had, I had no problem with none of that. My brother always, he used to always argue with me and tell me that, um, yo, let's just get from A to B, straight line. And I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. I want to take the long route. Let me take the hills. Let me take the valleys. Let me figure that out while I'm getting to B. Because when I get to B, now I'm educated. Now, now it's a different conversation. And a lot of people find comfort in a, a certain space. And I've always found my comfort in being uncomfortable. That's, you know, what, yeah. that's it right yeah. there, man. That's that's one of my core philosophies is get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think yes. I think you nailed it, man. Like it's a combination of due diligence and mm-hmm. experience. And part of that experience, like you mentioned, is failure. You know, you have yes. to be willing to fail. And through that comes greatness. So yeah. I like that, man. And I like how you've been able to follow your passions and turn each one of those into profit in some way, shape or form. So I want to get into more about your primary focus right now, which I believe is the clothing line. That's, that's the main deal right now. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about the name, but for people who don't know, um, tell, tell everybody where the name came from, because it's a pretty unique name. And then I want to ask you about a a specific thing I saw in the catalog. So I'm going to let you go into the, uh, the story behind the name, kind of the inspiration there. And and we'll go from there. Uh, The name of the company is Delory Apparel. And it comes from D of course, Derek. um, And then Laurie's my, my wife's nickname, Lorraine. So we put the, we put the two together and it's funny because we put the two together for two reasons. Uh, one, we were going to get a joint email. So we were like, okay. <laughs> so we put d together. One of the other reasons is because my wife's father is a performer. He's an artist. And he named his publishing company years ago, Delore. Delore. And he named okay. it because my, my, my wife's mother's name is Haiti. So he took the D and took my wife's nickname. And Delore was his publishing company and his record company. Nice. It's funny because I put that together after we made the email and we started working on the company. And I yeah. was like, wait, this is also homage to your pops. So Delore, like I said, is, is my nickname, my wife's nickname put together. Every time you see the name, it's always going to have a capital D and a capital L. That stands for two people coming together as one to create something bigger than themselves. Nice. Um, thank you, brother. And I, we always, and it's funny because I had to put this into words the way we live. That's just how we live. Like, like when I met my wife, since then, and we've been, we've been married for 25 years, um, she's always helping somebody. But you could tell when somebody's helping somebody for a return mm-hmm. or somebody's helping somebody because that's their nature. Right. You know, um, and she saw that in me. And the name is that, like, 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 the company, yes, like I said before, it's a business. 
And I, like I said before, it's always people over profit. The company is really based on giving back and helping people and, and, and growing unity. And, and like that is so embedded in our fiber. So that's what the lorry is about. The lorry is two people coming together as one to create something bigger than themselves. And I always tell people it's a brand. It's not a clothing company. They're like, oh, this is the same. it's not the same thing. Because some, I know a ton of people, and there's nothing wrong with this. I know people who buy clothes, embellish them, and flip them. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just not what we're doing. Everything right. that we sell is of high quality. Everything that we sell is of companies who have um, um, morals and ethics. And so regardless of who we're dealing with across the globe, we dig into these companies. So, you know, the company is based on people. And I always like to say that, like, like, do I have a demographic for our clothing brand? Yes, we do. But our demographic isn't an urban kid or urban girl. Our demographic is the person wearing it. Whether they listen to rock music, whether they listen to jazz music, whether they listen to hip hop music, because our clothes is for you and the way you put outfits together, not the way we want you to put outfits together. Right. Yeah. So that's that opens it up, man. And it's not uh, confining in that way. And that's that's beautiful because, like you said, the focus is the people And, Mm -hmm. and that comes from the foundation between you and your wife. And it's it's really like, you know, the birth of something rather than just whipping up a, a business that's going to sell products for volume or yeah. profit margin or whatever. Obviously, it's a business. It's going to be, it's going to need to be profitable in order to function. But yeah. at the same time, it's got that, that purpose infused with it. And that's today, I think that's what makes or breaks a small business, especially, but I think we're starting to find, uh, especially post COVID, um, (laughs) that, you know, we're, a lot of businesses aren't surviving. And a lot of those businesses were, and it's unfortunate because some of them, you know, many of them were great businesses that people put their lives into and they were gone beyond their control. It doesn't mean that it wasn't a good business. So I don't want to disrespect them or or offend anyone on that. But what I am saying is many of these larger corporations especially had business models that weren't working. They simply weren't working. And they were one uh, week or one month away from bankruptcy. And that said, when you build something with purpose, it tends to stand the test of time. So yes. I like what you guys are doing. Um, and, and I want to see this continue to grow and develop in this way. Another thing you mm. mentioned, um, you know, it, it symbolizes two people coming together and creating something new. And you, you spoke more about that. And ironically, you know, I, I think everything happens for a reason. I'm a firm Mm -hmm. believer in that. And I believe we attract into our lives the people that we identify with and that can help us further our goal in a positive direction, further our life's life's work. And RDO was founded on, um, obviously it's a different platform, different purpose, but Mm -hmm. we, we share those same core values 
because RDO awesome. is all about helping people get unstuck, uh, mm-hmm. increase their, their money, time, freedom through the form of self-employment. And we do that by offering that insight and information through stories like yours, you know, real people, real stories, and there's real, real substance and purpose behind it. The logo, I don't know if you can see right now on the little icon there, but it's the uh, two-headed alligator. And it's like, it's like an adinkra symbol. So this goes back, the meaning of that symbol is actually unity, uh, despite diversity, or togetherness, despite hard times. So just a little insight there on the on the That's uh, awesome. alligator. That is yes. incredible, brother. That Two is heads, incredible. one stomach. That's what it uh-huh. that's what it symbolizes. So I like that uh that some of those same concepts within your brand and, and your focus. What I like, do want to like ask said, you vibes, but, great vibes, you know, they attract each other, man. When you're on the same yep. frequency as somebody, you know, you you're bound to meet. That's right. That's right. So tell me about this. Uh, you know, I was looking through the catalog and uh, you got some clean stuff in there, man. I'm not going to lie. I was, I, Thank was you. I was liking what I was seeing. So uh, I'm going to get one of these, uh, the maroon snapback. I was like, yeah, when I saw that one. <laughs> yeah, good but, looking. That's what's up. Yeah. So I was going to ask, uh, what is this 2116 about? What is that? Uh, what's the, the story behind that? Okay, uh, 2116, the four numbers, what they equal is, um, of course, 21, as, as I mentioned with the Delorean, the two and one, two, two, to get, two people coming together as one. Okay. Um, also, 21 is my wife's birth date and my birth date. I'm August 5th, she's January 16th, so 16 and 5 equals 21. 16 is um, the year we incorporated the business. So nice. a lot of people are like, oh, but we're only in 2020. How you got? I'm like, it's deeper than that. Now, one of our shirts, is, it has 2116 written out in all capitals and letters. And all the words are brought together with no spacing. With Delori, every time you see a design that has words and they're all capital and there's no spacing in between the words, that's our subliminal message for unity. So, you know, um, it's, it's important for us. A, a lot of people want to say in this time that we're going through right now, I like to say in time period because it's been going on forever, the nonsense. But unity is so key and so pertinent and in, uh, in, in moving forward in our country because this country was built by people. And a lot of people like to put themselves above others and say, oh, no, this country was built by people. And for us, unity is, is pertinent. Everywhere we go, we tell everybody, we, like, we, we believe we are one. You know, so um, a lot of these messages we have in our designs because there's so much division. There's so much separation. You know, I always tell people, yes, we are individuals. That means everybody has their own character, their own personality. Um, But we're all human beings, man. So like all the nonsense of division, like I couldn't stand on somebody's head to get where I want to go. I'm always the, I'm the type of person where I'm like, you know what? I'll figure this out. I climb this wall, but when I get to the wall, you need to be ready to reach your hand up because I'm reaching down. Because us standing on each other, that's not going to do anything for us. But if we stand next to each other, that's going to do something different. 
you know, and, and so 2116 for me and my wife, like when people see it, I love the, yo, that's dope the way you put it and it's in the middle of the chest and it's on the hat and I love that. But even more than that, when I see it, I'm excited because you can see what I feel now. You know, so like, like we got a shirt, it says we are one and it, it's a radiant, I mean, it's a gradient. So it's, 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 it's a, a, a light beige all the way up to a dark brown. And the words say we are one. And again, they all in capital, no spacing. And, and I tell people, I'm like, that's the color I see. And they're like, what? I'm like, to me, that's all one color. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's and, and when I see people wearing that, I feel immensely like my wife tells me, she be like, yo, you a grown man, you from the hood, but yet you tear sometimes when you see your shirts being worn. And I'm like, yeah, because that's how I feel. Like, like I didn't, I didn't write We Are One because it's a dope idea. And, and I did this, I did the We Are One design in 2018. And, and I'm like, that's not because of Trump or whatever division the country's in. That design is because that's what I see and that's what I feel when I, when I shake somebody's hand, I'm not looking for the difference in that person. I'm looking to find out about that person. Right. And I was like, and, and, you know, that's something that we, we push forward with. And it's, it's like you said, it's not some, uh, all this stuff out here, this uh, get woke um, marketing, all these marketing campaigns that spring up around political or social trends, you know, this is not some cliche. This is, this is how you're living. Basically, yeah. this is, this is how you see the world. This is not, yes. uh, I don't, I don't even want to name companies, but you know, yeah. you know, it's not, you it's know not a hashtag. It's yeah. not a hashtag. Right. And it's funny because like I had people come up to me and they were like, yo, we know what you stand for, but it's, it's, it's not right of you on social media to mention these things. And I was like, yo, you know, what's funny because on social media, you retweeted, you reposted. And, and you put up your, your post. You felt good about that. They were like, yeah, I actually went in and spoke to kids. Like, I didn't have to post that. Yeah. I went in and when I saw that there's, there's, a, there's a problem, I went up to our kids in, in, in the neighborhoods that I grew up and I said, yo, listen, you could be upset and you could knock down buildings, but you're going to have to build those buildings up again anyway. Yeah. I was like, so why don't we just change the narrative as far as how you're thinking. And if you want to change the problem, then you should become a congressman. If you want to change the problem, then you should become a senator. Yeah. Because punching somebody in the face, it's not going to change the problem. It's going to give you another problem. Exactly. And it's, you know? it's through mm -hmm. education, man. It's through yeah, education, absolutely. even of yes. education of oneself. People 100%. hear education, they think books and school. And don't get me wrong, like books are great. I, I'm, mm -hmm. I get down on audiobooks mostly so I can do mm -hmm. other things, multitask while I'm learning. But, you know, it's through education. It's through that self-awareness like you're like you're talking about here. And one thing you hit on, it's not none of this destruction can yield a positive result. Like yes. it's going to take personal individual reform for a collective reform to take place. 100%. 
that's I, I like to see that, man. I like to see that being inspired and for people to begin to understand, like it starts with you. No one can give it to you. So why are you asking for it? No yep. one ever got anything by asking for it. Societally, yeah. you yeah. have to <laughs> give power to yourself. And it starts yes. by doing things like what we're doing. And yes. I'm, I'm not on a high horse here. I'm trying to inspire people and, and tell you like, I've been broke for years, years, my whole, my whole life since birth until starting this business. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? And I'm, yeah. I'm not rich, but I'm just saying I achieved greater financial freedom through business, through yeah. starting my own business. And anyone can do that. I don't care Absolutely. where you come from. Anyone can do that. And that's what I Absolutely. want people to understand that freedom in terms of society, politics, religion, this, that, the other, it doesn't matter where your, where your position is on mm -hmm. what you see important. You know, that's great. You it's, it's great to be about something other than yourself, but yes. you have to, as they say, put your own mask on first before you can help someone else, you know, on the safety yes safety instructions on the plane or whatever you may be on. You got to take care of you before you could take care of somebody else. You, you, you can't, get... you can't, you can't, you can't quench someone else's thirst from an empty cup. Exactly. So yeah. you have to yes. give yourself a foundation to then operate out of, to make the change that you want to see. And yes. um, it, it starts with, with each and every one of us to say, you Absolutely. know what, I'm not in a position to empower myself, let alone my family, let alone my community, let alone my country, the world. So I got to start somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, starting it, your own business is a great place to start. You have to do. And, and I, I, I always tell, always tell my nephews and nieces, I don't know what I want do it. I don't know what I want to do. It doesn't matter. Do it do it yep. because one you don't like i was an athlete coming up you know uh um, um i was a musician a, a self-taught musician self-taught writer i taught myself everything and it's not it's not for me to say that nobody wanted to help it's just one i grew up without so and people get mad at me about this you know why don't you ask me for help i don't know how to ask for help i never had anybody around me to help so to start asking for help i don't know how to do that what I do know how to do is do. Right. Like, just like, oh, why are you going to get into a photo booth business? Because it was there. And why not? Mm -hmm. Why not? You know what I'm saying? Like, like got, oh, yeah. You got to like, put so up I, shots. You got to put up shots. If you want to score points, you got to put 100%. up shots, man. You want to hit yes. something, you got to keep swinging. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. You got to do it. And so many people to me, uh, um, um, it's funny because I think I think social media, I think technology created a lot of laziness in people. Video games, all of that. There's nothing against yeah. being a gamer, nothing against being a gamer, nothing against being an influencer on social media because you're actually the antithesis of what I'm talking about. You're actually doing something. What I'm trying to say is there's too many people who just don't do and they're expecting, they feel entitled. I have people that come up to me all the time and they be like, yo, um, I want to help. Like, why don't you ask me for help? 
And I always tell people, how many times have you asked me for help and I've helped you? They're like, yeah. I'm like, no, you never ask for help. I know you need help. So I go help. Right. I'm like, so if you're in a position to help me and you my peoples, why aren't you just helping me? Yeah, it's something that I catch myself. I've, I feel compelled to do it. Like, yes, even a stranger. Yeah, if I can, yeah. if I can give, uh, spend five minutes giving some insight or a piece of advice that I know is going to help that person, then in reality, I'm, I'm creating a better world with a simple yeah. action. Just as 100 percent. I, I, I'm, I'm part of, on, uh, I'm part of, a, um, on Facebook, I'm part of, um, is a uh, black business owners in New Jersey. And a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the main question that's asked on that platform is, should I LLC my business? Yeah. And of course, you know what everybody's saying. Yeah, LLC it. I'm the only one who says, listen, go find three accountants, go find three lawyers, three business accountants, three business lawyers, write down your questions, go ask for free consultations to all six of them, and then go figure out how to incorporate your business. Everybody's like, why don't you just LLC? And I sit with, and I'm like, listen, you only know the LLC because rappers are starting to say LLC in their song. <laughs> I was like, you don't know what that person's business is. You don't know what tax um, benefits they have. Um, you don't know what legal benefits they have. You don't know that. I don't yeah. know that. And I'm a business owner. So go ask the questions to the people who know. And let me, let me tell people right now, we're, we're not tax pros because from what I'm about to say, I'm not a tax pro. Uh, this is not legal advice, but I can tell you personally, you know, I had to learn this lesson the hard way because I went with that that default. Oh, let me go LLC. Right. That sounds good. But there's other things worth consulting with an accountant, with an attorney yes. on taxes, because what I didn't understand is that in my particular business, um, you know, I'm the only legal owner of my business. So there's a tax benefit for me to, I, I can have an LLC and I can treat it like an S corp, an S corp. Yep. Okay. And when I do that, I can reduce my tax liability by half, by at least 50% by paying myself a salary. And I know this yep. is, this may be sounding a little complex to you. Don't not you, but the listeners, yeah. um, don't, you know, don't worry about this. This is just a glimpse inside mm -hmm. to what we're talking about and the importance of why you need to consult a professional on these because they're yes. going to, I don't care if the consultation fee is like $300. It's going to be worth it because in the end, I'm going to be paying, you know, double taxes for this last year. Or I paid mm -hmm. double taxes for this last year compared to what I would have spent um, if I had just consulted someone on it and no, no harm, no foul. I got started. Um, that's better than having not done the business by, yep. by a landslide. So it's worth it to get out there and get started. But, you know, it's also worth it if and when you're able to consult the right professionals, because you can literally save thousands and thousands of dollars a year. So a hundred percent. Don't just fall uh, but, into that, uh, you know, general information yeah. crowd. So what, what, 
what I want to take from what you said was um, in the beginning, you explained that, you know, this may be a little complicated for everybody. What I want everybody to understand is don't feel ashamed if it was complicated to you. Yeah. Write down the question. Yeah, like, you let need me... to sit there and be like, wait, that's a jewel. Oh, wait, Eric just said that's a jewel. Let yes. me write that down. <laughs> let me call an accountant. Listen, he said this, this, and that. What does that mean? Right. That's what we're trying to tell you. Like, if yes. you have questions, ask them. If you don't know you have asked quite, if, if you don't know you have questions, go find out the questions. Like I, what, what we're talking about right now. And I'll be the first to say, if it's confusing to you, trust me, it's confusing to me. A lot of everything was confusing to me starting out. Everything. Yes. There's no shame in that. That's that's a good sign. That means yes. you have something to learn and yeah. you have the means to be able to do it. And if you if it's something that is not worth the trade off of all the time and research and and energy spent learning it yourself, then that's when you want to go out and research, find the right professionals with good reputations, good reviews. And then you consult someone and you delegate that task and that that expertise required you pay mm -hmm. someone for that. And it's it's a very valuable investment in yourself and your business and your future. You know, yes. so take the time. Don't just get complacent and say, oh, well, this is how everybody else is doing it. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm telling you now, you know, I lost. I, I say I lost. I, I had a had an eight thousand dollar lesson first year business go. okay there you go <laughs> i invested eight thousand dollars in my education instead of uh you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> instead of 300 on a consultation so take exactly. that for what it's worth uh i'm just saying remember the the terms llc s corp um and and go holler at an accountant a tax professional who can advise you based on your business so and, yes and 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 please if for conversation's sake if you're opening up a bakery and you go speak to somebody at a bakery and you're like I'm going to I'm going to model what they did do not do that I tell people all the time you do not know the variables of that person's business yep. if you're going into a bakery by yourself and there are four different partners you don't th th those variables alone will change your incorporation like oh, yeah. don't it's great to go ask them questions, but do not go there seeking the answers as the end all. Take their answers as questions also, write them down and go speak to a professional. Listen, you know, so-and-so has four, yeah, the reason why their incorporation is this, because they have four people. You're by yourself, you're also a proprietor, so it's a different situation. You, you, you need to understand just because you think that's the exact model of your business, you don't understand the intricacies and the variables behind the business that started the business that may change the situation for you. That's absolutely so for, right. Just ask questions, man, but go ask the right people. And, and keep in mind, everyone, including myself, is doing things right and doing things wrong. And sometimes yes. I may not be at the peak of my learning curve that I will be in 40 years. There's no way. Yes. There's just no yes. way. So seek, seek answers from those with the most experience. Um, trust, but verify, you know, when you get information, trust, but verify, go double check and understand that the biggest area that you can learn from 
is what people did wrong. And that's something mm -hmm. that I, I want to be totally transparent and open and sharing this stuff with people. You know, I'm yeah. telling you, I, I set up my entity in a way that was not uh, in favor completely. Yeah. I started an LLC, but there's a tax benefit for many people, many businesses out there that can cut your taxes in half. So just mm -hmm. keep that in mind. Learn from, from failure within yourself and learn from others' failure. Uh, always, 100%, always. 100%, 100%. Let me ask you, what, mm -hmm. out of everything you have going on, you, you've done a lot in the past, what do you feel ultimately is your gift to the world? Um, wow, that's, a, that, that's an amazing question right there. What do I feel is my ultimate gift to the world? Um, you know what? That's a tough one. The reason why that's a tough one is because I get patted on my back a lot. And that's uncomfortable for me. The reason why it's uncomfortable, like my wife tells me all the time, just say thank you. And I'm like, it's not that I don't, I always say thank you, but it's not that I don't want to say thank you. It's that to me, thank you is not enough. So when somebody pats me on the back, I have this immense sense of gratitude that you even acknowledged me. Never mind acknowledge what I did, but I don't, I don't know how to react to that, you know, because I really want to be like, wow, thank you so much. But like, yeah, but you helped somebody. Thank you for noticing. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so um, I guess my gift will be giving. That will be my gift to the, because I can't give enough. Like, 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 you know, I had a conversation with somebody and they were like, um, you're going to sell the business for $100 million. No. You know why? Because money is not the objective. I'd rather help 100 million people than receive a $100 million check. You see what I'm well, saying? Like, yeah. And in doing so, the money will come. And you know that. So yeah. From yeah. service, yeah. From service and, to others. But your focus... Yes. Your gift to the world is service to others through which form in particular? Is it through advice? Is it through uh, inspiration? Through, How through do you see any, that? I see it through any means, and, and I know this may sound vague, but it's it's true, through any means that I possess. So what I okay. mean by that is like, like it all depends on the situation. Somebody comes up to me and they need advice. As long as I have experience in the advice, I'm going to give it. If I don't, I tell everybody, listen, if I know it, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. You know, I don't believe in all of that. Yo, keep all the information for yourself, hoard it. And then, no, and then when, no, I've been, listen, I just learned something Saturday and I told five people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, like, I didn't even get to the point where I made it successful for me. I told five people. And, and so whatever that person needs that I possess, I have no problem giving. So if they need inspiration, boom. If they need, if, if they need to see me do it physically so they can learn how to do it, I'm going to teach you through, 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 through words. I'm going to teach you through a text. I'm going to teach you through actions. You know, what I don't know how to do is not be me. I don't, I don't know how to pretend. I don't know how to be fake. I don't, I, 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 everybody in the world is my best friend. As soon as I meet you, I tell everybody, Yo, you have everything, you have complete access to me. 
Now, when you no longer have complete access to me, that's your fault. You fell down the ladder. I didn't push right. you. Right. I don't do that. You know, so so that's that's how I like whatever I possess here. You know, I don't know. Like my wife tells me a lot. <laughs> she tells me a lot. She's like, stop telling people. <laughs> finish, finish it first and then tell them. And I know why she's saying that because all my life, um, there are people who, who envy me. And it's funny because there are people who envy me who I know that they envy me, but they don't know I know. Because I yeah. can see in their actions. I can see in what they do. I can see where their hate comes from. But I still give them hugs. I still give them pounds. So, D, I got a question. I got an answer. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, when it comes to the point where you disrespect and you cross, then I just cut you off. Yeah. But I don't know how to do that. I've always, if, if there's one thing that I could say that I felt um, has been holding me back, is that, that I'm so excited to share. Sometimes I share too soon. Yeah. You got to be a little selfish so you can row your own boat, you know. And that. Yo, you know, it's, <laughs> it's crazy you say that. I had a conversation with somebody and and I was going to be on a podcast. I bless my cousin. He um he doing his thing, much success to his podcast. So I still, we we did the first three episodes together, right? Um his personality is absolutely amazing, funny dude, great person. Uh absolutely tremendous police officer. He he he's he's a police officer because all he wants to do is help the community. That's the type of police officer he is. He's not one of those who just He's a great, great person. So he makes him a great police officer. So he, we did three episodes. Now I'm getting to the point in, in the brand where I'm learning my place day-to-day operations opposed to just operating sporadically. So I told him one day, I'm like, look, cuz um, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do the podcast anymore. So he's like, why? And I'm like, he only lives 20 minutes away. So I'm like, I know it's a 20-minute drive to you, but I was like, you have to take the contest. As a business owner, you'll learn this. I was telling him, it takes 20 minutes to get there, 20 minutes back. That's an hour. I was like, it takes me an hour to get ready to go. Not that I'm dressing all, but I have to take that hour to context. Right. Whatever happens, I'm getting stuff ready, jumping in the car, getting out of the parking space. That's an hour. The hour drive going and coming. The two hours we do the shoot, and then the hour after. Like, yeah, that's, that's five half hours. the day. Yeah. I was like, so that that's detrimental to me at this point because... Everything that happens within the company happens through me. I was like, now, if I had managers and I had supervisors and I had a packing team, that's different because now everything's still running and I could take away. So I was like, yo, and going back, this is what what you said brought this. I was like, you have to learn to be selfish, to be selfless. And he was like, that makes no sense. Selfish (laughs) is a negative word. I'm like, I, I was like, it is over here, but there's another term to that word that's not negative. It's positive. You right. have to be able to say no. If once you understand the meaning of no, you actually increase your value as a person. Yep. I was like, and I love you, and I and and I like the show. I think it's great, but right now at this particular moment in time, I have to say no and only do for me. Because yep. at that time, I was also printing for three other clothing brands top of mind i'm doing printing i'm I, and i actually cut out money like i like i don't want that money i, I can't do i have to focus on delorey panel because every time i take a step forward if i reach back for everybody i push everybody forward and i push me back again exactly if you i stand, have to get to a point yes 
I was gonna say if you if you're holding the door for everybody, you're never gonna get in the building. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Help help who you can, you know, let the person right in behind you, but then you gotta get in the building. You gotta yeah. get to work. You gotta yeah. work on you. And yeah. once you work on you and you build something to where you can then delegate and hire people and, and expand in that sense, then you get that time back. But there's yes. there's a, a metamorphosis that has to take place. There's a, a grinding phase to where mm-hmm. you have to be selfish. You have yes. to be selfish and you have to manage your time responsibly. And it takes a lot of discipline to do that. And mm-hmm. those who do it, they are successful. So absolutely. That's that's key for people to realize, because oftentimes we get caught up with family and friends and and even between that and, you know, our relationship, people get caught into uh, toxic circumstances, you know? Yes. And and even if it's not toxic, like I'm sure you and your brother have a great relationship, but you also have to respect your own time and your own Mm -hmm. priorities. And that doesn't yeah. mean that you don't want to do the podcast or that you don't want to help them, but you you do have to help you first in order to help the most people uh, to the highest level and at the end of the day. So that's it's, powerful. Saying no, I've learned in business because that's one, one thing I've always my whole life had an issue with, saying no. But saying no is so powerful. Yep. You don't have to say no, you know, be angry with it. Like there's ways, like when my affordable company is funny, when people were asking me for discounts, I said no, but I didn't say the word no. I would be like, listen, we're not a cheap photobooth company. We're not a discount photobooth company. That's what you're looking for. You can go to Google. I guarantee you can find them. Yep. But our prices are our prices because we know our worth, we know our value, and we know what we're giving you. So if right. I start to cheapen my price, I'm cheapening your product. Exactly. And it's funny because the way we did our SEO and we did our marketing, when they went to Google, they wanted to come back to us anyway. But Mm -hmm. that's marketing. (laughs) But understand how valuable no is. It's not being negative. It's not being uh, um, mean to anybody. It's listen, like, you know, I have have, uh, uh, um, people who still want to hire me as a designer, graphic designer. And I tell them the truth. Listen, two things you need to understand. One, I don't have time. Two, I charge $75 just to open up my program. Yep. Just to open up my program, I charge you $75. Oh, that's that's robbery. The 15 years experience in it and all the countless, countless hours I spent understanding and learning this program, that's going to cost you. Yep. So people are like, oh, that's, that's another way of me saying no because sometimes people are like, I'm not going to pay $75 to open your program. Okay, cool. I got some designs to get back to. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to want to start a business, understand from the door, you're going to have to invest money. Yeah. You have to invest money. If you don't know how to design and you're going to hire a designer, you're going to spend that money. You're not going to find a designer to do it for free. Stop looking for music producers to give you tracks for free. Stop looking for consultants to just operate and work for free. If I don't have the money to pay somebody to advise me on something, I do one of two things. One, I take the extra time to learn it myself, or I try to find out what they need that I have that we can barter on. Right. I don't know how to do D, I need a logo. Cool, I need some advice on, on, on finances. All right, yep. cool, let's do that. Yeah, get Copy. creative. And that's, 
I man, you you nailed it. People don't want free. That you let yeah. me let me say that again. If you're listening right now, you don't want free. You don't want the cheapest. I mean, if you haven't learned it by now, <laughs> you you will. Uh, yeah. You get what you pay for. So yeah. now that's not to say that there there aren't creative ways to get started, budget friendly, but that's different. That that's real different than free or dirt cheap. Okay, don't yeah. look for that. Don't waste your time. You're you're gonna waste more time and money running through those bottom of the barrel options that they yes. don't care. They don't guarantee the work. They don't guarantee the service. They're they're not gonna take care of you. So get creative. 100%. Um, if you need a logo, you know you can look on Fiverr and and get a reasonable deal. It's not gonna be top of yes. the line. But, you know, you can get started. You can get started like yes. that. So look for value where it's where it's at. Absolutely. Now, for everybody out there who's very much like me, uh, piggybacking off of what Eric just said, um, if you don't have the money, per se, um, and you don't have the relationships with people who do those types of things, and you're one of those people who want to do it, for instance, with the clothing brand, I went out and bought a heat press. I went out and bought a, a vinyl cutter. I figured that out. I went out and, and one of my friends is a silk screener. Um, I went in there and I just basically donated my graphic design um, talents to learn silk screening. Um, embroidery work. I went out and bought an embroidery machine. Um, don't go out and do everything yourself. I did because I have a plan. My thing was, I'm going to get an embroidery machine because I'm going to learn embroidery because when I get to the point where I have a design and I want to, and it's a thousand pieces, I know how to speak to, to the embroiderer. I'm right. not saying I want to go embroider a thousand pieces. I'm saying I'm going to embroider what I can until I get to the point where I'm like, listen, this is how I want the design. This is the, 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 the digitization work. This is how I want it to look. This is how I want it to be embroidered. These are the colors. These are the fabrics. These are the threads. I was like, I can have that conversation now. I do all the work up until the point that I can have a great conversation with the person doing the work because it's my vision. My wife and I are creating these concepts and these ideas and I'm the one who speaks to them. So I need to be able to sit there and speak their language. That's and, it. you know, so like, don't sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to do everything. Trust me. You, there's not enough time. Yeah. There's not, a, there's not enough time, but there's nothing wrong with you figuring that out. So you, because you know later on what's going to happen. Right now I'm learning cut and sew. I'm learning different fabrics. I'm learning different threads. I'm doing different sizes. I'm learning why women's cut looks the way it does and the men's cut looks the way it does. I'm figuring all these things out. How does a men's hoodie fit a man's body so I know what fabrics to put on that, on that garment so when they rock it, they, they're not saying what they're saying when they rock Supreme. They're, oh, this is a dope sweater. They're like, yo, I'm never selling this sweater. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. I'm passing this down to my kids, <laughs> right. you know, like, like, so it's like understanding what you're doing. Now, this all goes into what we said earlier, as in you're going to learn and you're going to fail. Like, 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 like have an end goal. I tell everybody do a reverse pyramid when they do their business plans. I tell everybody at the top of the pyramid, right where you're at, at the bottom of the period, right uh, pyramid, right where you want to be. And then what you can start to do is create your trajectory. I was like, the reason why you do that is because now you know what step goes where. 
That's right. Oh, you know what? In order to get there, I have to do this. Like the end of my pyramid, I want to open up a 350 apartment luxury complex. I want to break ground. I don't want to go buy one. I want to break ground. I want to sit there talking about the, the bricks. I want to sit there talking about the plumbing. That's what I want to do. People say that's too much. But you know what? It's not enough for me. Because the end result is, oh, you, you want to build it like that so you can pull in five mil a week. No, I want to build it like that because when the person comes in to rent it and they see the apartment and they feel the apartment and they set their furniture in there and they look at the concierge and they look at the maintenance crew and everybody's friendly and everybody's uh, appreciative. I want them to say, yo, I never want to leave. This is home. That's why I want to open up a building like that. Not because I can make a ton of money, was because I want everybody in there to want to stay there and then tell their family, look, you know what? I'm moving out, but I'm passing it off to my kids. And that's the end of my pyramid. And, and a lot of people, you know, like whatever you want to do, don't be afraid. Now, you got geniuses like Jay-Z who say, I want to jump into sports management. I'm going to go sit down with all the best sports managers and hire them. Yes. That makes all the sense in the world too. Right. But understand, Jay Z sat down and learned sports management. Yeah. Before like, hiring them, yeah. I was gonna say, like, like you mentioned, this is each one is like its own language, you know. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain uh, level of learning your craft that actually allows you to dig in deeper into your industry yes. and go further than you would if you just stayed on the surface level of things. You know, you you want to always continue to learn whatever your craft is whatever you're passionate about whatever you want to stick with you know long term it's it's an investment in yourself um yeah and if if you're not educated you you're liable to be taken advantage of you know so <laughs> exactly you you really hit on some good points there and and it's just it makes sense to do it like that it makes sense to take that time. And you're also laying out aspects of your vision in layers. And I can identify with that because it's like, it, it, first of all, it's okay to make a lot of money. It's okay mm -hmm. to make a ton of money. And I want people to understand that money is just a representation of the value that you're offering to the world. Yeah. So yeah. you should be making a lot of money. Now, money is just a tool, you know? It's like a gun. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a sword. Yes. And you it's can a take hammer. a hammer. I was about to say. <laughs> See, we're on the same wavelength right now. You can take a hammer and you can go build a house or mm -hmm. you can go put it through windows and break glass and tear yes. things up. It's just a tool. It's the same tool either way. It's just how you use it. So mm -hmm. how are you going to leave your mark on the world? You know, are you going to help people and create a better world, create value for yourself, for your family, for generations to come in the world? Or are you out there trying to take advantage of people to earn things on the short sided approach and burn bridges? You know, so yep. a lot of people get it twisted. Earning money doesn't mean that you're screwing people over. And that mentality mm -hmm. has to change in order for people to build wealth within their own uh, families and, and yeah. really create that generational wealth. So, yes, absolutely. It's, it's like um, um, it's a give and take relationship, you know, and, and one of the things I, 
at the end of the day, do you want to look like you're a taker or a giver? Just because you're, uh, um, you have $190 billion doesn't mean you're not giving. That actually right. may mean that you're giving so much. You know, like, like you, keep emptying, you keep emptying your cup, but you're giving so much that your cup keeps overflowing. You know, and, right. and, and a, a lot of people, they, they, they have the hoarding mentality and especially those who grew up in the inner city because that's what we were taught. Like I was taught, excuse me, in the streets, get everything that you can, you know, and, and, and get it quick and get it now and get it fast. And I started to sit there when I was young and I was like, if I do 30, 20 years, but I made two mil on the street. So on the street, you're like, yo, I made $2 million. Yeah, but you just got a 20 year bid and you got 2 million sitting. <laughs> so if you left that 2 mil for your family, you're not really leaving your family money for 20 years. Right. I'm like, so why not sit here and, and, and do everything righteously and grow that two mil, but I'm here. Cause since mm -hmm. I made two mil, I could take the two mil and flip the two mil and quadruple the two mil. I can give the two mil, whatever, but I'm still here. So I can do whatever. I can grow on it. I can sit on it. I can invest it. And and I read I read a book called um, Compound Effect. And and it kind of put into visual perspective. I'm a very visual person. Um, I tell people when I think of plans, to me, the way I explain it to people is um, imagine driving down a foggy road. You're on a, you're on a street and it's foggy, right? That's how an idea comes to me. Like I know the idea, but it doesn't line up for me until the fog dissipates and I see clearly. When I get that moment of clarity, uh, no pun, Jay, uh, no pun intended, Jay. When I get that moment of clarity, it's a wrap. Like I see the, I see A, B, C, D, one, I see the whole plan. So um, when I read Compound Effect, the fog cleared. And what it did is, you know, and I, I, my wife gets tired of hearing this because I, I say this to everybody. <laughs> everybody wants advice. I tell them, I say, listen, man, the guy goes up to two people and says, I want to give you a million dollar check and I'll give you a penny that doubles every day. Who's going to make more money? The guy with the check says, I'm gone. You got a mill? Rap. You got a penny. Crazy. But what nobody knows is after 30 days, one penny turns into 5.4 million because that penny doubles every day. One penny turns to two, turns to four, turns to eight, turns to 16, right? So when I read that and understood that analogy, it made sense. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're supposed to put in 24 hours a day into your business. Now, I'm a huge proponent to sleep. I tell people, you can't leave your computer on all the day, it shuts down, it, it, the battery dies. That's what happens to your body if you don't sleep. Right. So I started working 20 hours a day. And I tell the people like, you're going to die like that. I'm like, no, because if I put 20 hours a day for a year, 20 hours a day turns to 16 hours because now those extra hours that I worked before, I put the business in a position to make money during that time. Yep. And then if I work 16 hours for a year, I could work eight hours the next year because now those other hours, the business, the business is doing what I wanted to do when I'm not there. Yep. And it's all a compound effect. And that's, you know, whether you, whether you want to talk about money, investment, interest, it's all the same concept. And, and I realized that that's what life, that's like one of the jewels of life. Like if you want your relationship to work, 
You have to put the work in. You don't just meet somebody and it works. The chemistry is cool. Yeah. Yeah. That goes for everything, man. The revelation of understanding that you can do work today to yield a result in the future. And once people understand that, that is a huge pivoting point for their projected freedom. And like yeah. you talked about, you know, you can you can go out there and hustle two million, you know, on the streets and then get locked up for 20 years. That's that's not a good move, man. That's that's that short sighted approach is not going yeah. to get you there. And then what are you going to do when you come out? Likely keep keep doing the same thing. But transitioning from that point to understanding compounding wealth, it's like people are so accustomed to having that job and thinking that that's that's a secure source of income. Being an employee and working a job is actually one of the least secure sources of income that you can possibly have. And I want people to understand like, it is way more secure to be in business for yourself. And it is even more secure once you get in business for yourself and you start having that extra income, that residual income, and you reinvest it in yourself, you reinvest Mm -hmm. it in your business, and maybe you buy a house that you're going to rent out, whatever, whatever your approach may be, you might start selling on uh, Amazon or, or start drop shipping or create your own clothing line, whatever the point is simply to create multiple sources of income that are going to continue to yield you a higher return. And that compounding effect is how you go from 5,000 a month to 50,000 a month in a, in a matter of two, three years. I mean, it's, it's not it's um it's not impossible it's it's not it's it's um like if you want to run the parallels of running a business and then getting a job the first thing you have to think of is when you run your business it's your business when you're working for somebody you're expendable yep so you can you're only as good as your last day with that company and in your business as well, but yet you still have the opportunity to, to pivot around. Like not, not that you see an issue and you want to go around it, but if you see an issue that you can't get through with your own business, you can still find ways to work around that. Yes. Working for somebody else, it's their way, no matter how much creative, creative right they give you, you don't have creative integrity in, in someone else's business. Now, there's nothing wrong with working for somebody else if that's what you want to do. That's perfectly fine. What we're saying is you have the freedom to grow your own life if you do it on your own. Now, I know people who have amazing jobs and they have side businesses. Beautiful. If you love working for somebody and you're, that's, that's your safety zone, then you know what? Then that's your move. That's your purpose. That's, that's you. If you run in your own business, like Eric is saying, there is no ceiling. They, they, like, I don't need people like, there is a ceiling. No, there is no ceiling. Nope. If there's a ceiling, you put it there. Exactly. There's no ceiling. You know, and what I would encourage everybody is you're absolutely right. Please get more than one hustle, business, revenue stream, whatever you want to call them. 
but understand that you can only do so much. So that means you don't have to do everything right now. You know, I, when I started my affordable company, I started seven businesses at the same time. Not because of the theory seven incomes brings you a millionaire, because I felt I was neglecting avenues. Like I can get a dollar there and this person needs help and I can get paid where I should have just like right now. I'm like, no, I shut everything down. I'm only doing the clothing brand yep. because in my mind, the clothing brand, once the revenue comes, I can reinvest in the clothing brand. Once I get to a certain dollar amount on average every month, everything other than that, I could take that and I can cop some real estate property. And then when I do that, I could put a nice stake into my, into my, my stocks, you know, then I can go buy some bonds. So it's like, I see the avenues now, but right now they're just there because yeah. I'm only focused on one thing. And as this compounds, then I could take and I can divide my compounds and then one turns, you know, so I mean, multiply my compounds. And then, like we said before, one turns into two, into four, into eight and so on. But what I want to encourage people to understand is like, there is no, I'm stuck at this job. If you're stuck at the job, you're stuck. You need to find out what you're stuck in and figure out what you want to do. If you want yeah. to be the, the CEO of that company that you're working for, that's fine. But understand that you don't have to sit there as the administrative assistant. You don't right. have to sit there as their junior accountant. And if they are forcing you to, then you need to understand your options. Do I go somewhere else? Do I start a, my, own, my own independent company? Do you know? So like, we need to stop thinking, man, like there's a ceiling. None of us have ceilings. Yes, there are situations that, that will try to hinder us from doing certain things, but as soon as you recognize that hindrance, you, that's when you begin to learn how to get around it, how to get through it, how to get over it, how to get past it. That's it, man. And you got it. You're touching on something that I'm, I live by, which is for every problem, there's a solution. Otherwise, there yep. wouldn't be a problem. So I yep. start and I approach by reverse engineering everything. I say, okay, well, I'm stuck at this job and I may be uh, subject to a, a boss, for example, who has a problem with me. And now I'm going to first reflect and say, okay, is this, is this something that I did wrong? Did I bring this on myself? Or does this person have a personal problem? Because we're all human. And you got to assess your situation. If you don't like where you're at, then you need to, that's a sign that says you need to go somewhere else. You need mm -hmm. to do something else until you find some level of fulfillment and, and the energy comes when you start experiencing that growth. And you have to, like you said, sometimes you have to, in order to negotiate, you have to be willing to say no. Yeah. That's it. So that's the power in negotiation. And accept it. And yeah. accept it. Not just because a Because a lot of people are like, I lost three mil. No. You lost a bad situation. Stop thinking about what you could have put in your pocket then. Exactly. Yes. And accept it. Yes. And the same thing may go for your job right now. A lot of people, you know, we, we think about oftentimes those who aren't making enough at their job or they, they hate their job. That's that's pretty common. But what's also yes. common is someone who's not uh, who's afraid to do anything, afraid to make any moves because of the comfort and security of a job. So they may be making decent money. Let's just say they're making a uh, hundred thousand a year. That's, that's pretty nice. 
um, for a job, you know, they may, they may say, oh, okay, well, why, why do I need to get something else going? Well, that same job can go out of business tomorrow. Yep. Yep. Uh, that same job, and you may not think that, but look at what just happened in March. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to get this episode taken down, but we all know what we're talking about here. March 2020. Uh, yes. If you don't know what happened, I don't know where you live in, but <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you know what happened. Exactly. Things changed. The board changed, you know, yeah. and if you have your own things going, that's the difference sometimes between you going hungry and getting evicted and and suffering and struggling versus hey, we're going to be all right. As a matter of fact, I'm glad it happened because now we're going to double down on this and we're going to grow our own thing. And that puts you in a position of empowerment. So it's it never hurts. Even if you want to stay at your job, that's fine. But just understand there's upsides and downsides to everything. You know, yeah. it does require more discipline and more grind up front to get a business going than it does to just show up and work a job as an employee. But the trade-off is you can be fired and be out of work as an employee. You only got to get fired once. You only got to go out of business. Uh, the company can go out of business beyond your control. The flip side with your own business, if you got 300 clients, you got to get fired 300 times to be out of, out of work. So, exactly. and while you, while it's on you with your own business, you also have that control. The responsibility is on you, but the power to make the right decision and, and utilize your control of your own business is on you as well. So absolutely, I, I always, into, yeah. go, go ahead. I'm saying, and going into, like you said, you could be fired 300 times with your own business. The mm. beauty of that is if you get fired from your job, like you said, it's over. Yeah. If, if one client fires you out of your 300 in your business, the beauty of that is that's a wait, what was I doing wrong? Yep. So now you understood the problem and you fixed it for the other 299 who are referring you to one other person. Yep. And so now that's that, like, how wait, you continue doing... to grow. Exactly. This person was doing this and we, we, we were good with that, but we didn't say anything and they still improved their business. Now, nah, now I got to tell mom. Now I got to tell myself. You know, you know. So, <laughs> like, it's it's. And one thing I've been wanting to say, and it, it keeps coming in, and we're in the falls into what we're talking about. You have to understand that you're never gonna stop learning. Like, never. What I mean by that is, let's just say you open up a business and your goal is to make twenty million a year. And you reach that goal. Three years later, boom, you make it 20 million. You make it 20 million. Your fourth year, 20, your fifth year, 20, you're like, oh, I'm good. Once you say to yourself, I'm good, mm -hmm. <laughs> you have no chance of that doubling or even increasing to 25, but there's every chance for that to decrease now. Yep. You know, so if you stop learning, that's when you're like, yeah, I need to learn everything before I start this business. Impossible. There is no, I'm going to learn everything. Because once you learn something, you realize there's something else. And then you realize there's something else. And, yep. and it's not about hoarding information. It's about processing your opportunities. Like you don't know there's an opportunity until you learn about it. 
It might be in a failure and it might be in a success, but either way, you put yourself in a position to know that an opportunity presented itself. So please understand, and this is also going for our people who are working and trying and, and that and they're career minded. You know, I'm in this place and it's not working, but I can pivot over here and go up. They, do not stop learning. Whether you like going to school or not, you have to learn. If you don't learn, that's that ceiling that we were talking about earlier. Right. Like, like stop with the ceiling stuff, man. You, you, you're going to learn. Every day I sit here, I know a lot. I, and I know a lot because I enjoy studying. I enjoy learning. I enjoy experiencing. But I know what I know is minute to as what you said before. In 40 years from now, what I'm going to know is going to be incredible. Right. And that's, that's that process of continuing to elevate your mind, body, and spirit. You know, and it carries 100%. over to business. It carries over to life, family, relationships with others. And it's something that once you once you set out on that path, you realize there's there is no destination. It's just an experience, you know, and you want to make <laughs> the most with this experience. But you've never arrived anywhere. Yes. You know, yes. you make that 20 million. That's great. But you haven't arrived anywhere. You still got yep. work to do. You still got people to help. You know, you still have a world to change for the better. And that's something that, you know, I, I feel like a lot of uh, professional athletes, a lot of high achieving people, they hit this roadblock. You know, once they blast through and, and they finally make it, so to speak, uh, they feel empty. They feel incomplete. They feel unfulfilled and they can't understand why it's because we are creatures that are here, however you want to perceive human beings, it, it seems evident that we're meant to always be serving each other and doing something that involves a higher purpose. It's yeah. like a shark, you know, out in the ocean. They got to keep moving or they die. You know, they mm -hmm. have to keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't know, but literally, you know, sharks are physically, biologically required to continue swimming forward at all times. They don't swim backwards mm -hmm. uh, and they don't stop. So and that, in that that's sense, crazy. that's my analogy, you know, for, yeah. for us, we're always meant to be serving others. We're always meant to be creating something greater than ourselves. And the moment we stop doing that, depression, anxiety, uh, unfulfillment, all, all this dysfunction sets in you know yeah the further we lean into comfort the further we lean away from our natural uh tendencies the more dysfunctional things get so absolutely that said i'd like to ask you you know there's a lot of things that motivate us in this world um mm -hmm. but thinking about everything that you're doing um and and even thinking back to early childhood you know who at the end of the day, who would you like to make proud? Oh, wow. Um, family. And, and, and I know that sounds vague because maybe you want one person. Um, the reason why I say my mom and pop passed. Um, my pop was my best friend growing up. I lost him when I was 15, 16. Um, but my pop was so inspirational to me because I saw love like everywhere my dad went, 
he was respected and loved. You know, I got stories like it's it's funny because like I'll tell fam like 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 I had a um I had a very interesting life, man. Uh, I remember once I was telling talking to somebody and they were like I was twenty years old and they were like you've already lived a full life at 20. Like, you lived a full life. And I was like, you're right. And from 20 on, it's another life. Um, everywhere my dad went, it was always love. Even if they were scared of him, it was love. Because they weren't scared like he would do something to them. They were scared the fact that that Supi respects me and loves me, that if I did something, it would be my fault he reacted. I saw that. So, like, everything that I do is, is, is I would say, a reflection of my pop because, um, like, man, in the when I was young in the Bronx and I was living out there with my pop, I remember a lady one time, somebody was like, yo, so-and-so mom was like, yo, where's my son? The lady was looking for her son. Somebody yelled out the window, he's with Supi. She was like, all right, cool. And she had no idea. She was terrified where's her son. But once she found out that her son was with my dad, she was at complete calm. You know, and that's the, like, my pop would come on Fridays and be like, yo, who you with? And I'm like, oh, I got a whole crew, pop, like 20 of us. All right, we're going to arcade. Like, that was my pop. My pop was like, yo, what y'all doing? Oh, we over there get chill in the corner. Nah, 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 nah. I got a basketball. Let's go to court. But there's like 40 of us. All right, then there's eight courts. Let's go. Yeah. So you he know, was like, just one of those people with a, with a certain unique level of charisma, you know, and just that, yes. that, uh, that energy, you know, as they say, yes. when you walk into a room or you walk in to a function, you know, some people just change the energy of the whole, the whole room. Yes. Yeah. And, and so I think every day and, and my family tells me like with the things I'm doing, am I making him proud? My mom, am I making her proud? You know what I'm yeah. saying? I was a baby. Uh, she, cause she always called me baby boy. She called me Pito. Everybody cracks on me when my mom used to be <laughs> like, Pito. And they'd be like, yo, bro, you respect, you respected by, 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 people out here but your mama walk into the room and say pito i'm like man you know what i have no problem with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so when i say like the reason why my answer's family is because my mother and my father is very important for me to even feel um i, I wouldn't you know I, i'm pretty sure they are but I, I wouldn't be able to have them in front of me say i'm proud of you but to even feel that they are is important to me it's important to me that my wife and my kids are proud of me because if anybody knows, my wife knows um, knows my life. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I grew up in a neighborhood where if you live to be 18 or 21, that was a, that was a blessing. So you learn how to live your life fast. Yeah. Um, you know, um, my nephews and nieces and my godchildren, they, 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 they so close to me. So, for them to, to, and my sisters, for them to know, for me to know that they're proud of me and, and that means the world to me. So I don't live my life, like I tell a lot of people, I don't live my life to impress people. I don't live my life to, to make people happy. But the people whose opinions really matter to me, it's important for me to know that they approve of what I'm doing. You know, I don't know how to sit there and be like, thank you, but 
to feel that that means the world to me. You know, it's um um. I, that's why it's so like family. Like damn, that, damn, dude, that's big, that's fat. But it's it's like that's why, you know, because those people matter to me the most. What they think because I could be. I tell I tell a lot of people, I could be doing anything in this world. Like I could be doing anything. But this is what I choose to do. I choose to wake up in the morning and conduct myself in a way that the people who look up to me and look at me, they respect what I'm doing and they appreciate what I'm doing. Yeah. That's what I chose to do because I could be doing anything. Right. And there's recognizing that that power to choose, that even no choice is a choice, you know, yeah. that relinquishing your responsibilities is a choice. And yeah. You know, this is interesting to me because I feel like in some way, whether it's abstract or whether it's it's a, a person who's close to us right now, who's living or someone who's passed or even just a concept of future generations or whatever it may be. I think one thing I've noticed within myself and within others who are on this sort of hero's journey, so to speak, you know, there's a powerful component of, of trying to do right, you know, trying to honor something or someone um, by, by operating with the right intentions and in, yeah. in this life and doing it clean, doing it right, learning from your mistakes, because we are imperfect, we will make mistakes, but yeah. it's the, the willingness to get up and learn from that and, and keep going. And, yeah. you know, I came across something um, I believe it was Elliot Hulse, uh, who, you know, shout out to Elliot Hulse. He's one of the people who inspired me on YouTube. Um, okay. he does strength training. He talks a lot of, about life and different things, but at one point he mentioned, um, when you complete that cycle of the hero's journey, which is basically actualizing yourself, you know, and there's, okay. you could look it up. There's diagrams on kind of how that that life process transpires but what it always ends with is you come back with the elixir or or the sword so to speak at the end you know you return back home uh whether mm -hmm. that's family whether that's you know literally back home to your people or whatever and you carry a certain wisdom that then liberates uh generations ahead of you and generations mm -hmm in the past, you know, yeah. because it's like their efforts culminated to your success and mm -hmm. it's, they're living through you. Like yes. you are the product of your ancestors. They are in your DNA right now. So 100%. They're, they're always with you. And the same thing goes, you know, we have an, an obligation and responsibility to the future, to future generations. And I think that's where that power comes in, man. Uh, there's mm -hmm. not to get too scientific, but you know there are studies that are just beginning to understand all the the technicalities about how we work. You know, your yeah. your DNA is activated in different ways depending on what you're doing and essentially where you're directing your mind, body, and spirit. You know, yeah. we're, we're adaptive creatures and yeah. there's an element that I think is transcendent to science from what we understand 
Um, we sometimes we call it intuition or you know refer to it as our higher self but I'd like to entertain the possibility that that's that's just some inherent or transcendent wisdom from our ancestors you know within us um, absolutely absolutely there's something spiritual to tapping into that power within yourself uh, I can't explain so it but Self-acknowledgement is, is so key because what so, w once you acknowledge who you are, what you are, and why you are, you open up doors to things that you never knew you could do. Like, um, um, it's funny, like going into a couple of what you were saying, uh, like Ray, Ray Diallo, I don't know if you know who that is. He's a, a multi-billionaire investor. Um, he said, it's funny how the life cycle is, you, you, you learn to acquire, then you acquire so you can give, yep. right? So that's his life cycle. Um, I've always been the person to tell people the most powerful muscle in my body is my mind. I don't care if I get diesel, I don't care how much I lift, I don't care about none of that. Because the person I am, like, like, like when people tell me, people ask me, who are you? What do you do for a living? I say, I can do whatever I want to do. I, I, I believe in my, I, I could be a rocket scientist if I wanted to. And I'm not even talking about going to university. I'm talking about I could put my I, I put the time into to educate myself to be a rocket scientist. That's what I wanted to. Yeah. So it's so important that once you figure out who you are, you can start to figure out how your mind works. And when you start to do that, you start to realize how powerful your mind is. Like I tell my kids, and when I say my kids, again, it's not just my two children. It's it's more my godchildren. I consider all my kids. When I tell all of them is. Yo, be careful what you say, because it's important that you understand what you say and how you say it, because you're going to get it. Yeah. So be careful what you say. And I read a book one time called Confessions with God. And in the book, it's basically a gentleman, he's writing, and the way he spends his time is he writes, and he just writes, like, not un um, unconsciously, he just writes. So one day he's writing and he's reading what he wrote and he's actually asking God questions and he, God is answering them back. So in the book, at one point he tells God, you know, I've been wanting to be a priest all this time and it's not working. And he says, God's answer to him was, I gave you exactly what you asked for. He's like, I'm not a priest. He said, you said you want to be a priest. So I've continued to give you the ability to want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. that's what you're wanting and that's what you're getting you know and it's crazy that's yeah. they say uh your thoughts be careful because your thoughts become your words your words become your actions and your actions become your yes. future that's it you know man. so i always tell my kids like yo what you're asking for ask for it as yeah. it but but one ask for it in detail i have I have affirmations all over my room, right? I, 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 like I have my, my it's, it's, I get emotional when I wake up in the morning because sometimes my wife and I are such a, such a amazing frequency together that sometimes I may be stuck in something, right? And when I wake up on one of my boards, she'll write something and it pertains to exactly how I'm feeling and I never told her. So one day I woke up and on my board, it said, focus on the possibilities, commit to the cause. 
Work hard. Be strong. Stay strong. And above everything, always have faith. And that day, I was thinking, that night, I should say, I was thinking about, you know what, the clothing brand's not working. Let me just shut it down. Mm -hmm. And I didn't tell her, but I guess my frequency was so loud. My thoughts were so loud. She caught on to that. And she wrote that, you know? So it's like your mind, man, is way more powerful than you think. I tell people, I'm like, yo, stop talking about being broke. If you're if you're broke, that's only a segment of your life. That's not your life. Yep. Stop sitting there saying, I'm broke, man. I'm broke, man. You need to start saying what you want to say. If you want to be wealthy, you need to start saying, I'm grateful for being wealthy. Even if you have no idea how you can eat that night. Because yeah. what's going to wind up happening is that meal is going to show up. And then that meal is going to show up in abundance. And then yeah. all of y'all are going to have more than you ever had to eat, not realizing that you actually spoke that into existence. Now, we have a shirt that falls into this. It's called, it says, hope is an action. Yeah, I saw and that one. So what, what, what people be like, what are you talking about? I think there's too many people who say, I hope for something to happen. And then they sit there. That, that's not how it works. Yeah. I have a little more harsh version of that, which is uh, hope is for the hopeless. Okay. <laughs> and, I, I don't, I, and, and, and I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mean it in a negative way. But what I what I mean by that is, is we have the power to manifest the vision that we have within our minds. And we have the power to act on that vision and, yes. and make it a reality. So that's, that's what you're saying. Hope is an action. You have to envision specifically and you have to take action. And when you get into that process, it changes your perception of everything. I mean, everything. even when you just see people, real people that you know, because when we look at, you know, a super successful billionaire, we can't relate directly. We, we're like, Oh, yeah, yeah. His story is he started poor or whatever. And now he's this. But that's not me. You know, subconsciously, something in there is like, it doesn't make the connection. So when you see real people in real life, whether that's in your own circle, or even on our platform right here, you see, hold on, this is, this is possible. You know, I can do this. And one thing I'm, I'm curious about is, You know, when I look back, I think we talked about changing perception, you know, how much this changes your perception. Like I we we had uh, humble beginnings, you and I. Mm -hmm. And I don't Mm -hmm. I don't know all about your story. You don't know all about mine. But I will say, you know, it it was less than ideal in terms of, of, of being able to grow up and develop and have a chance in the world. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. But the short version is. You know, I grew up with not just no self-esteem, but negative self-esteem, you know, okay. like negative 100. Yeah. And it, it, it's like uh, being born or, or starting down in a, in a pit that you then have to climb out of that dark hole before you can even get on level ground. And I say this mm-hmm. because I know a lot of people are going through it. I know a lot of people are overwhelmed by that self-doubt, by that 
you know, they look at life, uh, they look at the thought of doing their own business and without even knowing anything about it, they're, they're overwhelmed, you know? Yeah. And I think just starting with the mindset is key because if you can take that information, if you can start building a perception of the world that you can handle, mm-hmm. then you, you're in a position of control and the self-esteem comes as you realize like you said, who you are, starting yeah. to know who you are, starting to know, understand your potential and mm-hmm. realizing that you're not limited to the circumstances that you were born into, you know, yeah. that, and, and I say this because it seems to me like, uh, let's take Mike Tyson, for example, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the highest achieving people had the worst beginning the worst childhood, the worst circumstance. They may have come from abuse, great struggles, low self-esteem, you name it. Yeah. And, yeah. and they went the, f- the furthest in our time and, and the highest achievements, you know, they set the bar out of that drive, you know, a lot of them out of the, their passion for helping others. And that's, <laughs> that sounds to me like, you know, based on how you described your relationship with your father and just kind of looking at who you are, I see that in you. And not, not to say that I know your story in mm-hmm. that sense, but I'm saying Thank you, I see Thank some you. of that where this is coming from, from a deeper place. You know, this, yeah. is, this yeah. is transforming negatives into positives just as much as it is creating positives. Absolutely. Like. I, I was blessed. Um, I was blessed to be rich. And when I say rich, uh, um, my mom and dad loved me and my sisters immensely. So whether we had, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have money. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I tell people like, I'm not ashamed to say that. Like we didn't have money, but one thing we had in abundance was like our parents loved us. They, They didn't stay together for a long time. Even when they separated, we still felt that yeah. it wasn't like, okay, you loved us because you were together. It, when they, it was, it was kind of like their love increased for us when they separated because it was like, Oh wait, you really love this just because you love us. Right. So I was blessed with that, which it, it helped my self-esteem. It helped me stay, stay, stay even. Right. Um, um, to have a positive self-esteem and I'm going, I'm piggybacking off of what you were saying with yours. Yeah. And, um, um, first of all, you know, it's beautiful to see that you're in a position right now where you're on the opposite end of that. you like, you ready, you know, you, you're ready to go. You feel good about yourself, but you feel so good about yourself that you're giving to others. So what I, what I, I was, since I was blessed with that, I was the ear for those who weren't. And what I mean by that is since I guess since my humble beginnings and the abundance of love when I was next to somebody who felt less than of themselves or felt that they weren't capable of, I was the one in their ear, like, yo, my man, yep. don't do that. Don't do that. Cause you are now nah, you don't know. Listen, I know you're hungry. I know you don't have kicks and I know you ain't got neither do I, but I'm here to tell you that you can. So all 45 people that you want to be a part of who telling you, you this and you that I'm telling you, you are, and you can't. You know, and what I'm trying to tell people is 
first of all, everything we do in life, I don't care who you are, you don't do it by yourself. Yeah. You, you, there, there's a core. There's a core. And what people need to do if they're feeling this situations where they want to change their lives, they want to turn a negative into a positive, they want to feel good about themselves, or they, they want to start a business, or, or make sure you listen. Because if you're listening, you're going to hear the, you're nothing and you will never be nothing. But you'll also hear you're amazing and you can do amazing things. Yes. What you need to decide is what side you want to listen to from then on. Listen to both so you can recognize, but then you need to turn one off. And make sure that the, that the, the one that you stick to hopefully is the one who's encouraging you and the one who's pushing you and the one who's helping you to see yourself. You sit there and you be like, and start to take in that information because there's so many people who are, are, are in the negative, whether financially, whether self-esteem, whether in life, whatever the situation, but they latch on to like, to likeness. Will yeah. Smith said on Angie Martinez show one time, I am the five, the five people I'm around. So if I'm a Harvard graduate, but I'm around five drug dealers, I'm a drug dealer. But if I'm yeah. a drug dealer around five Harvard graduates, I'm a Harvard graduate. And what's going to wind up happening is you're going to see the positive over the negative and you're going to adjust in either, in either, either, either spectrum. But it's so important. Like I tell people, yo, listen, like, like I, I like to talk because I like to share, but I listen way more than I speak. Some people may, when they meet me, they're like, yo, they'll tell my people, it's like, yo, your boy don't talk. Your boy just sits there. He be staring at everybody. Like, what's wrong with your mans? And it's, and it's my people sitting there like, yo, what you're not understanding is he's not even reading you. You're spilling the guts. And he's determining if you're somebody he wants to be around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I know people who got Mercedes Benz, two and three of them are still living the projects. I know people who drive Toyota to sales. To, to 30 acre properties in the middle of Delaware. Yep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if I was to sit there and be like, I'm going to chill with my man with the Benz, but not listen to the conversation, I won't know who I'm attaching to. I won't know who I'm around. Yeah. Dan Pena, uh, I believe he said, uh, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You know, you got to yes. surround your, yourself with the people that you want to identify with. I mean, yeah. you can't, if their priorities are messed up, chances are your priorities are messed up, you know? Yeah. And this goes back into my philosophy of minimize, prioritize, and maximize. You awesome. gotta go in that order, man. You gotta minimize yeah. the BS. You don't need that bends yet, you know? But I think, again, we talked a little bit about self-esteem a lot of this stuff stems from insecurity. When you're yes. when when you're secure in yourself, you can't man, you can't be living in the projects and you got a bins. You know what I'm saying? The, the, you don't need a twenty, thirty thousand dollar car. And I know there's a range out there. I'm just I'm making a point. Some yeah. people are driving that thirty thousand, forty thousand dollar car and their priorities are out of order. They're not investing in themselves. They're not starting a business. They're not, they're not doing anything but spending everything they got and then some. And that's not how you build wealth. That's not how you actualize yourself and become 
actually secure in who you are and mm-hmm. build that self-esteem and help others. So people get lost in chasing things and they never become, they never become happy. They never become satisfied. And yeah. uh, just as they started broke, they're going to, they're going to die broke and they're going to leave nothing for the family. And that's, that's what I'm trying to change, man. I want to see people yeah. be willing to understand the grass is greener on the other side in terms of getting focused right now and building something for the future. So that said, what is the single greatest challenge you're currently facing right now? Right now? Um, that's a great question. So the greatest challenge I'm facing right now is trying to just find the right words for it. I know where the Lori Parrow stands. I know the potential and I see the trajectory. One of the biggest things that I'm dealing with is when. So we spent two years figuring out the business, not only the, the industry that we're in, but also figuring out how to operate our business in a way that can, it can grow. Um, again, not worrying about, yeah, we do have a benchmark we want to sit at. Not even worrying about that. Just worrying about, like, how do I get one more sale tomorrow? How do I initiate that sale? So Saturday, we just invested in a billboard advertisement. Our first one felt crazy yesterday going to see it. Um, always wanted to be in the billboard and we're on the billboard. We have a billboard and it's great. Like just saying it just, it's still crazy. Knowing where that would lead. So, but I don't know if you ever see the meme. You got one dude with a, with a, with a pickaxe hitting at the wall and there's literally diamonds an inch away, but he's walking away. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, I like now thankfully from all the experiences I've had I feel that inch now opposed to that dude didn't feel the inch he didn't feel it he was just hitting and he was hitting and he got sick and tired of working so hard for so long I feel the inch my thing now is that I'm dealing with is is it an inch or is it three inches I'm not going to stop either way just dealing with that factor so that's that's something that's really tough for me to deal with right now because I'm getting back the feedback that we want that the feedback that we we we, we wanted we're getting back. Uh, the numbers that are growing, we we expecting those and they're starting to grow. The followers, the likes, you know, all of that is is all working. The, the money going back into advertising, that's all. You know, not now we not now we're making enough money where, okay, let's dump it back in. It's just that that, and it's funny because. I guess I'm contradicting myself. I tell people there is no feeling. Like success isn't a feeling. But yet, I'm still waiting for that. Okay, like yeah. it's working. You know what I'm saying? It's, so that's the toughest thing that I have to deal with. <laughs> you know, um, even though I tell people don't look for that feeling, it's hard because I've been programmed all my life to expect it to be a feeling. You know, when I was dealing with success in music, I didn't know I was dealing with success in music because I was so indulged into the business of it 
that I realized, no, it's not a feeling. Like a dollar in your bank or a hundred million in the bank, there's no feeling. Like you don't wake up, you don't feel that. That's right. that's not real. When people are like y'all feel like you don't feel like a millionaire. That's not a feeling. You just know it's there. Yeah, I think it's you more know? of a process. You feel yes. the you feel the milestones within the yes. process, and just as soon as they come, they go. So it's one milestone exactly. to the next milestone. Exactly. And and that's that's kind of ties into that uh, that eighty twenty principle as well. Like. You're, what you're talking about doing right now is something that's that's very challenging. Um, you know, you're doing the learning and the doing simultaneously. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. something new, it's something challenging, and you're doing both. And within that process, you know, 80% of your time up front is going to be spent accomplishing that 20% of that first progress. But then yeah. after that, 20% of that effort equivalent is going to get you that, that other 80% of your progress within yeah. what you're building here. And that's, I think if you're, if you're feeling that resistance and you're, you're still progressing, but it's maybe not quite as fast, you know, and this is for everyone listening. If you are out there building your business and you're, you had, the, you're going to have those moments where you're like, what am I even doing? You're going to have that imposter syndrome. Why did I even get into this? Oh, I wasted mm-hmm. this much money or, you know, whatever. Keep, keep taking the, the failures as lessons learned and keep evolving. And what, at some point you are going to hit a breakthrough. If you're being true to yourself, if you're truly starting with the end in mind, you know, if you say, I want to do this and you have a clear vision for it, that's you've already succeeded. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of time of putting that work in. Yeah. And something I have to tell myself is like, don't try to force results. Just do yes. the work. Just do yes. the work. That just yes, because you've already set up for the results. Yes. So the results for you are, oh, I hit that number. And I told myself when I hit that number, I'm going to take some out to invest in that. Yep. Not, you yeah, I hit the number. Let's go blow half of that in a celebration. <laughs> like, right. you know, it, I, 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 I like Jeff Bezos' story with Amazon. Um, I try to relate it with a lot of um, new business owners. And I tell them the entire world was making fun of him when he was driving an 85 Honda Accord when his company was worth a billion dollars. And he still has it. You know, he still has that car. It's crazy. <laughs> And I was like, people were laughing at him because they were like, oh, since you made a billion dollars, it's a billion dollars. Why don't you cut yourself that bonus check? That's the money. He was like, no, I'm good with the salary I got. I'm good with the salary I got. So when he finally decided to cut that bonus, it was billions of dollars. But but the moral of the story is that people not seeing is when he started Amazon, he was working 16, 18 hours a day. Now that man wakes up and he starts his day at nine o'clock and he ends his day at five o'clock yep. because he put the systems into play that will allow that. That's you know, right. my, what, what's your goal? My goal isn't to be a $1.5 trillion company. My goal is to one day set up my company. So I work nine to five. I don't have to That's come true. in this week if I choose not to, it's still going to operate the way I set it up to. Yeah. You know, and, and um, so that's, that's one of my biggest things, right? 
like like I feel I feel the ball rolling a little easier, and I'm just like, like, I guess my biggest obstacle, man, is enjoying that. Yeah, that's that you know that's because I'm I, I'm a worker. Like I, I ain't afraid of work. I tell people I ain't afraid of work. I just choose not to work for people. I ain't yeah. afraid of work. I could do that. That's you know, I'm not. That's not where that's not where the excitement comes. The excitement comes in wake, waking up in the morning and be like, I have no idea how much we're gonna generate today, but it's gonna be fun as hell to figure it out. Yep. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's, it's gonna be fun. There's nothing like it, man. To to create something and put that that value out into the world and get that reward, that return, that exchange, I should say, a value is is really to me it's it's super liberating and it's it's really energizing. You know, I get yeah. the most satisfaction out of now being self-employed and and doing my own thing. It's there's nothing like it. So no. I think that's got to be the the most rewarding part in like you said, you're not afraid of work. It's, it's, I actually enjoy the struggle now. I mean, yeah. once you cross a certain threshold, you start to, you could easily become a workaholic. <laughs> you know, you, you begin you, to enjoy that process, no matter yeah, how challenging. You, you know what? You saying that just reminded me of my biggest struggle. My biggest struggle is not knowing. And what I say, what I mean by that is, is last summer, um, I, I, I like to tell people this because people laugh when I say it, but I quit. I closed down Delorey seven times last summer. And people are like, what? How are you still? So what I try to tell them is that fog I talked to you about earlier, mm-hmm. that's my struggle. Like, yeah. it's kind of like, like, like imagine a, a, a puzzle and the pieces are everywhere. That's the most frustrating part for me. It's not even putting the puzzle together. It's separating the corners, separating the top. Once I see the separation, I can put things into play. Figuring that part out, that's the most frustrating part for me. Now, yeah, I quit seven times last year. What happens is I've learned doing that. I've learned you have to acknowledge the pain. You You can't ignore the pain. You have to pinpoint where the pain points are because if you can pinpoint them from then on, you can recognize them before they come. So I've learned to recognize the pain points. And then I've learned to, to, to think, give everything 24 hours, man. The designs weren't coming out, right? <laughs> I, they weren't into my liking. So I'm like, what the hell? I'm not a graphic designer. Even though I got 15 years under the belt, this is whack. This sucks. And so what I did is my wife would just, be, my wife would just sit there and listen. She wouldn't say nothing. And then, then we wake up the next morning and she's like, so what you gonna do today? I'm like, yeah, check it out. So I'm gonna do this hat, right? And, and I'm gonna do the DL like this. And she's like, I thought you quit. And I'm like, I did, that was yesterday. It is today. Let's talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> that was yesterday. That's yeah, I love that, man. Cause you gotta, you gotta practice that rule. I have the habit, I'll just keep, I'll just keep working like crazy and not realizing that that, five, six extra hours I spent working was really, it, it didn't yield the positive result that I was looking for. I went and worked harder and harder when yeah. I should have just, you got to know when to call it and take that day, sleep on it. And when uh-huh. you come back, you come back refreshed, you come back rejuvenated and you would be surprised 
I, I, I urge people to, to practice this, man. If you hit that point where you're grinding away, you're working on something, you feel like quitting and, and you want to just ball it all up and throw it in the trash, take, just, just get some good rest that night and watch. Step away. You come back, step away from it. You come back. You're going to have a whole new perspective. You're going to be laughing at what you were looking at and chances are whatever issue, whatever problem you're going to solve it. I mean, in, in within probably instantly, as soon as you start back on it. Change your scenery. I think that is so, cause you never know where inspiration comes and I don't care what industry you're in. Change your scenery when you're stuck. Yeah. So if you're constantly working out your bedroom per se, right. And then you hit a wall, you got writer's block, whatever block you got, you got it. Right. Go. I don't drink coffee, though, but go get some tea. Go, go take a walk in the park. Go sit yep. by the water. Go sit in your car. You know what I'm saying? Like, but change your scenery because you never know what's going to spark. It may be the color of a leaf. It may be something or one word that somebody said walking by. They may have been on the phone. You know, I've written songs over two words. Like I've written entire songs. I've gone to the studio, entire hook title of the song, three, three verses, ideas of the beat, all off of two words. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, like, and, and, and I've designed stuff off of like, like, like a conversation or, 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 or a color change of scenery because what it does is one, and they actually tell you to do this when you're doing, a, when you're working a lot with um, screens, they tell you every half hour, look somewhere else for two or three minutes to, yeah. to help your eyes. Get but it's the same relief. concept. Yeah. Yeah. You, you never like, it's like leave, like you're okay. Your mind is bogged. Cool. Take your mind off of it. Change your scenery, but make sure you take a pen and a pad with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause when it hits you, you need to release that. Yeah. You know, you need to release that. That's man. That's great advice. Keep you a note app, keep the, keep pen and paper, whatever your style is. Don't yes. let those ideas slip away because they they come and go just as easily. So inspiration can strike anywhere. You could anywhere. Listen, you could be dead asleep. You wake up to get a drink of water or go to the restroom. You could have a revelation coming out of a dream, coming out of uh, sleep. You could have it just before you go to sleep. Don't mm-hmm. let those things go to waste because I can personally attest Those things that I wrote down just before bed or at four in the morning when I woke up, those things are what I'm living right now. Those those designs, those uh, brand names, those ideas, those are coming to fruition now, years later. I didn't know what Mm -hmm. I was going to do with them, all of them in the moment, but I never, never fail to write something down. And if you want to talk about compounding effect, I think that's that's one area where people can start. Your ideas are the most valuable thing that you could possibly have. They work through Absolutely. you. Don't discount your ideas just because you don't have every detail pinned down or you don't have it all figured out or you share it with somebody and they say, oh, well, what about, well, that's not going to work. Or how, what about this? And well, how, don't worry about all that. Listen, write your stuff down. You'll figure it out in due time. But don't ever waste yeah. those ideas. So it's crazy because <clears throat> so I resigned in 2016, right? In 2014, 
at that point in time, like 2013, 14, 15, all of that time, I was actually done with work. But I didn't want to just leave, you know. I, um, um, I, I, was get, I was done with music. So I would buy magazines and spy me. So I bought, um, at one point I bought, um, it was not, it wasn't an entrepreneur magazine. It was, it was a tech magazine. I forgot the name of it. So I'm looking through it. And in one point, it was an app that they had. It was an a, AI, um, AR app, augmented reality app. So they were like, download this app, go to this page and look at the page. So when I did that, everything on my, on my phone screen, like I could click on the YouTube, I can click on whatever. So I, I called my boys up, 2014. I said, yo, I got some friends who do tech. I got some, so I'm like, look, this is what I want. This is what I want. I don't know what business I want to start yet, but I do know that I want my business card to be augmented reality. Okay. Right? So I'm like, I want, I want, um, I was telling them I want, um, I want, cause I also learned at the point I was leaving the billboard company that I was working with. I learned about NFC, near field communication. That's when you you take your Apple pay and boom, you tap on that's That's NFC. So I was like, I want my business card to be near field. And I want it to be augmented reality. ID, ID, all I heard, ID, ID. I'm not a tech dude. Yeah. So 2017, looking through YouTube, God rest his soul, because he passed last year. So Nipsey Hussle has the first augmented reality store in the world. So you bought a shirt from Nipsey, his name tag was embedded with augmented reality, which actually is a certain QR code, really small QR code you could put anywhere. So you could take your phone and put it on a tag and see his song before he even released it to Atlantic. What? So he was, because he owned his masters. So he was like, I could do whatever I want with my, he goes, matter of fact, I shot a song, I recorded a song and shot a video that's never going to be released. But if you bought this t-shirt, go to the inside label, put your phone on it through the, through the marathon app and see the video and hear the song. But nobody else is going to, that's the only place it's going to be released. So you could only crazy. see it if you bought his stuff. So I called my boys up. I kind of blacked out on everybody. I said, look, it's not even the fact that Nip did it first. It's the fact that y'all didn't believe what I said. Yeah. So, and they were like, yo, man, but you know, I'm like, yeah, but y'all keep talking about we don't have the money. Or I don't care if augmented reality costs $30,000. There's two ways to get 30 Gs. Either you go get the money or you put the work or you put $30,000 worth of work in. Right. So what did I do? Two days later, I called them up and I, I'm going to show you. This goes into at the end of the day, you, you got to believe in yourself, you know? So, yes. So what I did is I pulled out one of my business cards and it had a QR code. And I took my phone and I took the business card and I said, boop. I said, look. They said, what? I said, I couldn't do the AR code. I'm going to do that. But now I have the QR and I have NFC. So during this whole pandemic, when people were like, I don't want to take a business card. I said, no. Just tap your phone. Took my mm -hmm. business card out. They said, boop. Yo, where'd you get that? I did that. Can you? Well, this isn't work for hire. <laughs> NFC on my phone. But yeah. <laughs> I went and did it myself. And right now on my spare time, 
Like when my wife go to sleep and my kids are asleep and I got I'm 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 supposed to be going to sleep, I spend an hour on YouTube learning AR. So eventually I'm gonna have my business card have the AR on it. Or oh, you want to see my stuff? Put your phone on my on my business card and you you go right to our stuff. That's you know? nice, man. So, appreciate it, man. So like 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 I don't think I, I say no, but I don't take no for an answer. Like if I want to get something done, it's getting done. Either somebody's yeah. gonna get it done. Oh, it's gonna take me six months, but I'm gonna get it done. You know yep. what I'm saying? And and a lot of people they 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 uh oh, can't I don't have the money and I don't have this. I built my own website, I'm working on my own app. I did my NFC, I did my QR code, I'm working on my AR, I did the designs. This right here, this is embroidered. Yep. Right? I designed it, I digitized it, I embroidered it. You know, we got the, we got our label on here. Like, if that's what you want to do, you need to figure out. Do you want to do this for money or you want to do this for passion? Because yeah. if it's passionate, then you're willing to do anything you want to do. I got people that's telling right. me like, yo, that's a dope, um, what they say? That's a dope um, Arizona Diamonds hat. I'm like, no, that's DL. <laughs> They're like, it looks like it. I'm like, no, like that's, that's this is yeah. my hat. They're right. like, I thought it was a baseball team. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Do it, man. Go get it. <laughs> Stop waiting. And and no one is ever going to see your vision the way you do. They just can't. It's impossible. That's why you got to believe vision. in yourself. That's right. Yes. It's your vision. They can't see inside your head. They can't see your thoughts, your aspirations. And they it just your your vision, your mind, your body, your spirit is unique to you. Yes. I don't yes. care if you're twins. I don't care if you got a twin brother. Your mind is unique to you. You got to you have to value your vision more over everything over everything else and like you said you have to want it if you're passionate about it you'll stop at nothing to make it happen you have to want it more than anything Mm -hmm. so that said what what are you looking forward to the most in the near future in the near future to be honest um one of the things that i'm really really excited about is um I want to get to the point. Um, I'm actually putting the plan together, but what I want to do is I want to sit down with a certain amount of kids from the inner city. And what I want to do in this in this meetup is I want to be able to sit with these kids and be like, in this conversation, in this room, the people who are here, nobody's gonna make fun of you, nobody's gonna belittle you. But you have to be completely honest and tell us who you want to be and what you want to do in your life. Because if you want to be a barber, there's nothing funny about that. If you want to be a scientist, there's nothing funny about that. If you want to be an astronaut, there's nothing funny about that. You want to be a president, like, because in the, in the inner city, these things are frowned upon because either you're a baller or you're a baller. Right. And I tell people all the time, like, yo, my man, if you want to be a Supreme Court justice... But you, in the, but you were born and raised in the middle of Marcy Projects. Why can't you be a Supreme Court justice? If your boys are laughing at you because you don't want to hit the corner with them, then you need to find a different group of friends. Yeah. So I want to create a, a, a safe space where we can sit down with the kids and let them be who they are. Yo, draw what you want. Say what you want. Here's a pen and a pad. Like, write that down. Okay, cool. That's what you want to do. Now, with that pen and pad, I need you to start giving me the ideas of how you want to accomplish that. 
You know what I'm saying? And then I want to sit there and have that conversation, let them know that somebody want to listen. But what I want to do different from a lot of people is I want to come back two, three months later, speak with these young kids, be like, yo, so what did you do? Yeah. Oh, I fell off. That's cool. That's cool. So did you get back on though? Right. Because everybody falls off. Everybody, everybody, however you want to call it, they give up, they take a break, they take a rest, they reevaluate, they pivot, whatever you want to call it, everybody do that. Yep. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, um, Damon John gave up FUBU three times. And he told everybody, I, I gave up FUBU because I have no more money. But what did I do? I was still working and I started saving again. And I did it again. And I did it yep. again. And I did it again. You know, so I want to be able to come back to these kids and be like, yo, so what happened? Oh, I followed through and everything. You know, things are looking up. Cool. So now from here, what's the plan? You know, so that's one of the things I'm really excited about, man. So, like, I mean, I know I should be saying things like, you know, Collection 4 coming out and I got this new design and I got the new fabrics. Um, yes, I'm excited about those things. <laughs> but more importantly, man, um, I have a goal Well, my wife and I have a goal of giving $500,000 a year to, to five charities that, um, that we believe in. So that is what I'm really looking forward to, to be able to sit there on a year to year, on a month to month basis and be like, all right, let's give to this. And, but I don't want to just give them money. Like, what can we do? Can we hold something? Can we sit with kids? Can, you know, mental health organization. Okay, cool. What can we do? Can, how, how, how can we sit with these people with, um, you know, the individuals who have insecurities and they're depressed and anxiety, how can we show them and talk to them and inspire them to, you need to start. And I'm willing to put my hand on your back to help you do that. You know, yeah. so those are the things I'm most excited about. But I know, you know, a lot of people would like to hear, you know, the, the brand is the brand. We're going to push it. I'm excited that people are buying. I'm excited the sales are increasing. Um, I'm excited that more people are going to the website. But what I'm more excited than that is people coming up to me saying, I get it. I yeah. get it. Like, the style is dope. But I get it. Okay, cool. So you understand, I, you know, I got a really inspirational um, DM yesterday from one of our customers. And she said in the message, I put up a post of the billboard that, and I shot a picture of it. And she said in the, in, in, the, in the DM, she said, I'm so proud of y'all. I'm so excited for you because I see the journey. Yep. She goes, I see the growth. And I'm like, damn. I thought just my wife and I were the only ones who saw it. And she, you know, she... <laughs> She bought one of our first I Hustle shirts and, and, and then one, later on one of our sweaters. And to, 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 you know, to send that over like, yo, you and Lori really doing it. I'm like, that's what's up. Yeah. You know, so we got fire coming. Let's not, let's not get that confused. <laughs> we got designs. We got, we got our culture mixed into it. Um, we got things that, you know, we want to, uh, um, we're learning about other cultures and we want to put them on there too. But um, what we're really excited about is being in a position to give more and more and more and to, to help people's lives increase and show them abundance and what abundance means. Abundance doesn't mean $100 million. Abundance means 100 million people. Wow, man. That's deep. And that's, that's powerful. And I think that's where the true power stems from. You know, they, there's a saying that uh, in business that money goes where it's treated best. But I look at that and I apply it to power as well. I apply it to energy. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a reason that these things feel 
rewarding. You know, there's a reason that this stuff wakes you up in the morning and, and drives you through a 16 hour day. And I think it's, it's so important for people to determine what's most important to them and then integrate that into the business. I don't care if you have a bakery or a salon or lawn business, it doesn't matter what your industry is. When -hmm. you put people first, you have all the power, all the inspiration and all the tools to, to press forward and manifest your vision. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that having something greater than yourself, it's, it's greater than money, it's greater than any material or superficial things, having that higher purpose and, and focus mm-hmm. is what really, it, it makes the difference. And it keeps you from getting tired, it keeps you from burning out, you fall down, you get back up again. So to hear that, within your story and, and to hear what you guys are doing and, and see what's happening in real time, you know, that's inspiring right there for sure. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Absolutely, man. So one of your primary goals you communicated to me was to grow uh, the clothing line or the brand, I should say, to 10 million in revenue, like 10 million a year. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, You want to give to those organizations and then you want to get a warehouse, you know, scale up to take things to the next level. And so how much of this did you see in the very beginning? Because for some people, they think they got to have all this laid out, all this mapped out to get started. But I've found personally that this is more of a, a progressive process. Like mm-hmm. you start somewhere and then it kind of evolves on its own in the yeah. direction that it needs to. Was that your experience? So, yes, yes. Because for me, well, um, um, <clears throat> go back to education. All of these, these short-term goals were established out of learning the business and learning, learning not only what I needed to do, but learning how I operate in the, in the industry and what I need. And when I say I, it's always my wife and I. So what I mean by that is I can outsource everything or I can keep everything in-house or I can create a business that benefits our business 100% and still helps others. So what I mean by that is in the beginning, the objective was always to give. And, and the first thing we dropped was our hustle. And our hustle came from a, um, when we had the Lori Consultant, when I was active in that, I created a little ad on um, a little post uh, for IG, for, social, for Instagram, and it said, I hustle. And it's funny because <laughs> it was the letter I capital hustle exclamation point. So I show that to my brother. So he, um, I'm, I'm a Puerto Rican descent. He's um, African and Puerto Rican. So he comes up to me, his Puerto Rican side came out. He said, he goes, yo, my Puerto Rican side came out when I saw that. And I was like, ah, right, what the hell does that mean? So he was like, so in Spanish, in, 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 the, uh, in, in, in the language of Spanish, we have two versions of the exclamation point. Yep. We have the generic one that we have in English. And then we have the one where it looks like an I, 
a lowercase i on one side of the word or the phrase and a, the regular exclamation at the end. So he comes down, he goes, yeah, why don't you leave hustle capital, put the lowercase i because now it's hustle. He goes, yeah. get it? And I was like, oh, you funny. <laughs> he goes, so he goes, you're kind of telling people you're Puerto Rican, but you're not. Right. Then, I noticed again, that. They, I noticed like, that first they, thing. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, and if they don't get it, it's still I hustle. It's yeah. kind of like, like, like the hustle is bigger than me. Right. So we did the shirt. And the reason why people like, so how could you give them by selling these shirts? I'm giving you inspiration on your chest. Because I'm not telling you if you out here flipping birds, this is what to wear. I'm telling you, if you're a teacher, you hustle. If you're yep. a single mom and you stay at home, you hustle. Yep. If you're a police officer and your focus every day is to get up from your family, go out and serve the community, come back to you, you're hustling. You're a lawyer, doctors, we hustle. What you're doing when you're wearing the shirt is you're putting a stamp on that. I hustle. I don't mind putting in the work to achieve the dreams that I set for myself. So it started with that. And that went into like, you know, I didn't know what to do. I put our hustle on everything. I put it on baseball shirts, I put it on hats, I put it on whatever, you know. But I realized at that point, people thought the company was called that hustle. I had people DMing me and texting me, telling me, yo, I'm looking for your website. I don't find it. I'm like, my website's right there. They're like, yeah, but I hustle.com. I was like, I never said it was I hustle.com. <laughs> the, the company's Delore. I was like, on the shirt, it says I hustle. Right under it, it says Delore Apparel. Right. So I had to completely stop our hustle. Like everybody's like, wait, that's your entire business. I'm like, no, Deloria Apparel is the hustle, is the business, is the focus, is the purpose, not our hustle. Our hustle is just one of. It's a collection within. Yeah. So after we did that, what I started doing was I had no, I have no fashion role models. I don't know anybody who do what I do which is usually the situation in anything that I do. I'm usually the first one to jump out the window, you know? Um, so I started looking at the hundreds. I started looking at Fear of God and Supreme. Um, I started looking at Nike and Adidas from a different perspective. I started looking at um, Off, um, Off-White and all of these brands. And in doing so, I started to understand the difference in the price points and why. I started to understand the difference in the marketing. I started to understand the difference in the manufacturing. And that made me dive in deeper. That's when I, I started understanding sustainability, why it's important to be sustainable. I started understanding why it's important to, to make sure that you're buying, company, you're buying either blanks, fabrics, or having your stuff made in warehouses where people aren't being harmed and kids aren't being forced to work. Um, so when I saw all of this, I started thinking, I make the stuff myself. Like I, I heat press it. I cut it. I design it. I want to be in a position where when I hire somebody, I don't care what ethnicity, ethnicity they are. I don't care what religion they are. I don't care if they're citizens of the United States or not. When I sit down with somebody and I say to them, are you qualified to do this? And they say, yes. I want to be in a position where I can give them 15, 18, $20 an hour, not $7 an hour. Oh, what's minimum wage? Cool. Let's match that. I don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? I want to always be in a position where I touch people's lives. So if that means I, I can hire 50 people at, 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 at 15 an hour, or I can only hire 25 at 20 an hour, then, then, then it'd be 25. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll figure it out. But that's when the warehouse started to come into play. 
Like, I want to be in a position where, and I guess my wife can be excited about this because I'm a minute. I'm a control freak. <laughs> I'm a control freak because what I see, I have to see it. I have to feel it. What I see, I have to feel. Yeah. Right? This is exactly the way I saw it with the red outline. Now, the only difference is, is I did a D. And my brother, being the creative person he was, he took the he took it right off from my picture and he turned it into an L. And I was like, I I was trying to figure out how to do the L. So I need the warehouse because my wife is our photographer. I need her to be in a space where she's comfortable. And she's like, no, this is the vision you had. This is how I'm gonna make it come true. I don't mind hiring outside people. And it's not about me controlling their creative side. But it's about me putting it in front of them. This is what I want. How can we do this? And I would like to be in a facility where we control that. We control the lighting. We control the backdrops. We can go in the, in the garage. Or we can go outside. Um, I want to be in a facility where somebody comes to me with the, with the sample and they're like, D, I'm like, that's the wrong red, though. Instead of making a thousand and saying that's the wrong red. Right. Um, so that's when the warehouse comes in. We're looking at, you know, we, 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 we were, we're going to... The first one we want to get is a 10,000 square foot, have our offices, have our shipping, um, receiving department, you know, have all our departments within there, maybe hopefully different floors. If it's just a huge 10, that's fine. Um, As far as the 10 million, um, the 10 million is really about, you have to set a standard for yourself. Yeah. You know, if you just start a company and you take the money and you take whatever, dollar amount comes in then what is your true value you know so our end goal we want to go you know we want to grow between 25 and 35 mil 10 million is a a short-term goal um that 10 million we're already projecting things like you know hire five to seven people um change uh to be in complete control of our product in 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 our manufacturers cutting so um and all that is, by the way, is online. We don't want to do wholesale. Yeah. We, we don't want to do wholesale, or ho- just in case anybody's asking. Wholesaling is when you go to Macy's and you find a Sean John jacket, that's wholesale. That means Sean John went out, did what they did, spent what they spent, and Macy's bought it for half the price that, it's, that, that you're buying it for. Right. We don't want to do wholesale at this particular moment in time because the translation in the marketing, we don't know. Right now, we know we're not in control of that. Right. I can't go to a store and be like, these are the billboards I want. These are the signs I want. This is where I want it to sit in the store. I can't control that. Again, control free. But <laughs> Well, you have but, to um, be. And all yeah. the greats are. I mean, Steve Jobs um, is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. And even the concept you're talking about having fewer people but paying them more, that's counter counterintuitive to the corporate mindset of have, you know, a million employees at minimum wage, but how well has that worked out for most of them? You can mm-hmm. argue that it's worked out well, but a lot of these companies are massively in debt. They're just uh, mm-hmm. what they call too big to fail. So yeah. you can't take those principles and apply them to your business and expect it to work. And that's something else we talked about, but for example, Netflix, you know, being a, a younger and newer company, they adopted that. They were one of the first to really implement that philosophy of, you know, paying a CEO five times, 10 times more 
than they would be paid elsewhere, but mm. only having a handful of them versus, yeah. you know, because they didn't have the budget to hire 20 CEOs and expand like that. So what they did was they paid fewer people more money to do a better job, to really just yeah. outperform the market standard. So that's, yeah. I like where you're going with that. And we yeah. talked about different, uh, you know, different fabrics and things like that. One thing that has interested me is the the rise of hemp. You know, I don't know if you guys are, have thought about this. I'm sure you mm -hmm. have uh, thought something about it, but yeah. how do you see in terms of your own brand, does hemp look like a viable option now or in the future? Um. Okay, this is this is great. I actually had this conversation with my attorney because uh, we were also looking into um, doing something with um, CD, uh, um, oils. The C, the CD, what is the CB? Oh, the CBD. Yeah. CBD. Yeah. But I'm more asking about like as a textile, like as a fabric, yeah, no, like we, hemp fiber. We, we was talking about that, and then it's funny. I, I was doing talking both. to him about that, and then this jump like it jumped out when I was looking at it and yeah. I, I found some interesting stuff because I was like I think it's illegal to grow hemp in America one of the websites is not okay so th there's something that America's holding back on and, and I'm gonna tell you why yeah and yes we are thinking about it I just need to find the right people it's crazy because hemp as a fabric the colors are more vibrant it holds the color longer. It holds the actual shape of the piece, the, the, the garment longer. And I believe it's cheaper. And it's more durable. Yes. And, it, and it's more durable. So that had me thinking like, then how can we still use cotton? <laughs> which, which falls into the whole, I, I forgot what it Monopolies. was. That said. It's monopoly. Yeah, it's, it's the monopoly because you know, this is what we do. And if you open that, it, it decreases our profitability. Yes. So we can't allow that. Yeah. You know, and, and we are thinking about it. It's just where we are in the company right now, we'll, it, it, we will never turn a profit. Like yeah. we have certain pieces that we turn small profits on, but it's really about, um, and I'll go back to Amazon when I explain this because how it relates, you know, you got people who's, if you're not like at least doubling your money, you don't know what you're doing in business. And it's like, <laughs> we got pieces that we make very small margins on, but the reason why we have them, because it's important that people see the diversity in our, 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 our design and our pieces. Right. So you can always grow into a profit. Right. If you got something that only sells 10 pieces, just say, and you only getting $3 profit. The third time you drop that, you drop 300 pieces. The fact that you bought 300 your upfront fees decrease, which means your profitability increases, which also means since this is the third time you drop and you can actually up the price because yep. the demand is there. So now you turn a $3 profit into a $25 profit. Exactly. And you didn't cheat your customers. Right. All you did was operate correctly. And, you know, so, so I say because that's what Jeff Bezos did with books. He would buy books at a loss and still, he would buy books at a loss and still sell them cheaper than the company he bought them from. 
And people yep. were like, why the hell would you do that? Because if you don't have a demand, you can't grow. Right. So you got to you got to pay to play in that sense. You got to be 100%. vested up front. And then these things can happen in layers. I was curious because there there is a lot of providers now growing hemp. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not we're not talking about cannabis in terms of the, mm-hmm. you know, the THC bearing portion, but they're growing hemp. They're, they're making building supplies out of it. You know, hempcrete, uh, hemp fiberglass, hemp uh, fabric for clothing. They got, I mean, I can go on all day. There's thousands of, of uses being made out of it. Uh, paper, paper um, I mean, I could go on all day, but I'm seeing a shift in terms of understanding what's good for the environment understanding what's more environmentally friendly to produce mm-hmm. and and also bringing revenue and and market share back to the United States cuz yeah. a lot of this stuff is is happening overseas it's, uh, it's being yeah. it's being cheaply it's made yeah. yeah and and the uh you know the conditions are are just terrible in a lot of these other countries and uh, you know it's it's and people I, feel I, I, a, I, people feel an ethical dilemma about purchasing clothes oftentimes. So to see what I've you heard, guys are offering. Yeah. I've heard that. Um, Cause a lot of, what a lot of people don't know is um, it takes a cr- incredible amount of water waste to make one t-shirt and one jean. Like I'm talking, when I say incredible, I'm talking like, I think it's 20,000 gallons of water. It's, it's two, I think it's 2000 gallons of water to yeah. make one t-shirt. It's crazy. How many times the cotton runs through the water? And they don't recycle the water no. a lot of places. Well, they can't. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's toxic a lot of times. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, cer- certain things you can, um, like if you're going to dye a red shirt, you could use that water again on other red shirts. Yeah. You know, what, what a lot of people do, and this is horrible, they put that water into the system. Yes. So like places in India, these kids yes. are drinking water and that's horrible. Hemp takes, from what I understand, less water to make a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like these, these these are things that um that we've done extensive research on and we actually wait. Like we'll sit there and be like, all right, should we drop this shirt and just break even? Like, like should we do that? Because it's just right. And then, you know, uh, um, but of course, the company we are, we're not looking for investors. We're not looking for partners. We're not looking to sell any equity in our company. Um, it's difficult to do things like that because literally whatever goes into the bank account goes right back into the business. Yep. Um, I have. I, that's actually, I have a folder on, on, on my computer, um, a bookmark folder, um, you know, ideas. But one of, one of the links I have one of the folders I created is um, um, future future prospects. And that's definitely something that we're going to get into. Especially the fact that we don't do silkscreen anymore on our products because um, Plastisol is one of the ones that they use, which gives you bright, vibrant colors, has a lot of um, negative chemicals in it. Where if you wear the clothes, it doesn't absorb. But if you was to get rid of the clothes and turn them into waste. And if they was to burn the clothes, 
that's when the, the chemicals are released and they're bad for the atmosphere. So there's another form of silk screening called, um, it's water-based. It's just that the colors aren't as vibrant. Okay. So I'm interested in seeing if we grab a hemp shirt and do water-based and if the colors pop. Yeah. Because if they do, then that might be a move. But um, yeah, the point we're at right now, hemp is, is, is a little too expensive for us to, to, to put anything on. And what we're also doing right now too, what I actually a couple of days ago I did is I'm actually looking for, for manufacturers, for blank company with blanks or whatever that would do the quantity that we would want to test it. Because yeah. you know, the other thing, the other flip side of that is when you start in a brand, sometimes, you know, you can go get my t-shirts like you might go, go get blanks and you deal with a company and they're like, okay, cool. You know, we can do 48 or below. I mean, 48 or above. And you're like, I got 12 customers. Yeah. They can do a 48 shirts. You know what I'm saying? So right. sometimes that's the issue of some places where they have rare pieces like hemp. They may be like, look, we only do a buck 20 and up. Mm. And you're like, do I want to do five designs with the same color? <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> usually black and white t-shirts, all you can do that with. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, but, that's, but that's it, it is on our radar. Yeah. It's on our radar. I, I really see that as like, incorporated in the future of clothing and, and textiles period um, not just in in clothing but construction and and everything is really uh, and starting it's awesome to take that, off yeah it's awesome that they could take something that's natural like hemp and incorporate it into so many aspects of life like you saying the hemp Crete and I'm like that's that like that's what it's that's what you're supposed to be doing you're supposed like, to work with nature not against it. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So it's crazy, man. They're they're minimizing waste, and it, hemp outperforms everything in every yeah. every textile. It's stronger than concrete. It's lighter, and it lasts mm -hmm. longer. It's more durable with the fabric. It's the same. So it's just uh, it's amazing. And I look back, you know, this goes into I'm I'm kind of a history buff as well, and I look back like. In the colonization days of America, when you came over, you were you were actually required to grow hemp as a mm. as a product. So mm. that was part of the, the grants that they were providing at that time. If you came over, you got a certain acreage of land and you had to grow a certain amount of hemp. So it went from being required to now, you know, treated as a. Uh, as an illegal substance and i see that legislation really unraveling the majority of states have some form of legalization and thc aside you know just talking about hemp as a plant mm -hmm. as a product i see the the popularity picking up and i just i'm excited to see what it does for the market in terms of clothing and other textiles and and really that's that's a whole market in itself so I'd Absolutely. like to see how that develops and, and businesses like yourself who are focused on providing that quality product and, and cruelty free and really producing things responsibly. I mean, that's, that's why I was interested. Hemp seems like the key component to that equation. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, like there's companies out there that I hold, hold high regard to like the hundreds they did a, a collection a couple months ago with Puma. And I thought it was beautiful because the creative guy in them, um, 
Bobby Hundreds, he said when he got the when he got the pieces in from Puma, they were the classic Clydes. The Hundreds logo was blurry. So he told Puma, we can't release these. Like the whole pro the funny thing is the whole project was based on sustainability using sustainable products and recycled fabrics. Yeah. So they told Adidas, I mean, they told Puma, I'm sorry, they told Puma, um, the whole premise of our collaboration this time was sustainability. Now we're going to throw these sneakers out? We can't do that. Yeah. And Puma was <laughs> like, but that's what we do when something's messed up. They're like, we can't. We can't. So what they did is they teamed up, the hundreds took all of them, teamed up with organizations. Uh, one of the organizations, I think, was like Kids Without Shoes or something like that. And they literally had people come up to, to they picked a spot and was like, what size are you here? What size are you here? You know, they were like, we, we can't throw this. We can't throw this. It, 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 the whole thing is not supposed to be about waste. There's supposed to be no waste. Right. So they, so they gave all the, you know, and there's a lot, a lot of that isn't going on enough in these businesses. Like you got people that's like, that's like, oh, that's not a get rid of it. Like we literally, I have a sweat I'm going to show you. And, and, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. So this sweater, this is an old piece, right? That we had, one of the samples that we did. So you're gonna okay. see there's designs on it, right? So that was the initial design. Yeah. Right? So yep. check, check the back out. Okay. So as you can see, what I did is I recycled it and I just used it as a sample piece. Yeah. So usually you have companies that, that do something small like that. They're like, you know, we're recycle, we'll recycle it. But then they throw the fabric out. Mm. So what we're doing is I'm like, winter's coming. Why, why would I not give that to somebody? Why would I not see somebody who's cold and be like, yo, here's a sweater. Yeah. Here's a beanie, here's some gloves. You know, so a lot of people, I think, like, like you can't, it, once, once you put money before everything, a lot of principles and morals go out the window. Um, in situations like this, like all we think about is others. So it's like these designs didn't come out perfect. They didn't come out right, but it's still a warm sweater. Right. And for somebody who doesn't have, all they see is a warm sweater. They may look yeah. at it and be like, you sure you want to give me that? That looks expensive. No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a sweater. At the end of the day, that's what it is. It's yeah. something for you to keep warm. So... I like that, man. There's, there's too much stuff. I mean, just food alone, how much food, how much clothing, how much materials are just wasted every day. You wouldn't believe. You really wouldn't believe. Well, listen, we've covered a lot here, man. I'm, I've really enjoyed hearing, uh, getting an inside look at your story. You've got some incredible experience. And I think where it counts the most, we, we truly identify with some of the same core values, a lot of the same philosophies. And I really like that about you. You know, I think Thank it's you, something that uh, you just begin to pick up on a trend where you see, I, I can look at someone right now and I can know almost instantly what they stand for, what they're about. And I can project with, with the, pretty sound bit of accuracy how successful they're going to be and with what we're talking about and the focus at hand here and just holding that concept of providing value and and doing something greater than yourself 
there is no limit to what you can do with that Thank mindset. You. So I like what you're about. I like what you guys are building. And like I said, I got a, I got a couple of items I got to pick out here from the collection. And uh, when is the when is the next collection coming out? You mentioned that. So um, you have a date on it yet? So when, when we don't have a date, and and I'll explain why we don't have a date because the way the way the calendar works in the fashion industry is um. So like January to July, they drop um, that summer. Some yeah. uh, they call that spring summer, and then July to January they call that fall winter. We don't hold ourselves to that calendar, so we literally hold ourselves to our own calendar. We drop what we drop when we drop it. We do let people. We do let everybody know in advance. Um, yeah. Like for instance, collection three is still dropping. What we did with that, we had um, four, fifteen. We had twenty pieces. And what we decided to do with collection three was drop pieces at different times only okay. because we, we felt it was going to be um, too much for somebody to take in yeah. at once, you know, because our uh, uh, um, audience isn't as big to do that with, like, you know, late, eventually we got a hundred thousand up on IG and all of that. We can do like, you know, we drop it 20 pieces because we know, five pieces to go here, you know, these people like five people, you know, everybody's like, so right now right. where we are, we thought it, it would be um, logistically <laughs> beneficial for us. And at the same time, easy for everybody who's buying to buy pieces at a time. Gotcha. So the next collection we're actually working on this one, we got one, two, we got four more pieces that I think we're dropping for this collection. That's why we're calling it our 2020 collection three. Uh, the next collection may just be 2021 collection one. Gotcha. Um, but we do have, you know, like we did the, I don't know if you saw the red and black lumberjack, we call that. That's a, that's yep. a flannel, a red and black flannel shirt. That the, we call that red and black lumberjack with the hats to match. Great line from Biggie on the Juicy. And the hats, we actually call, those are called the hats to match. So it kind of falls into, you know, Biggie and all of that. Yeah. So we we actually thinking about it. We got a large, a nice large response with the flannel, with the with the red and black. So we're actually thinking about expanding that into some PJs and some um, blankets for like you know when you're sitting on the couch chilling. So we might do things like that for the next collection. We got some more hats coming out. Um, work, working on the vest right now. Maybe something similar to the to the puffer jacket we got now. Puffer jacket, a puffer vest. Um, of course, more hoodies, more tees. And we're super excited to continue to expand and, and creating and providing, you know, better products, more button downs, you know, because um, it's not about like we tell people we're not a t-shirt company, it's an apparel yeah. company. So the next collection will be dropping soon, but we have everybody, everybody who leaves their emails or does the web notifications on the website. Um, when we, we send that all out. So like two weeks in advance of every drop, you'll know something's coming. Gotcha. So, um, you know, it's exciting, man. We continue to grow and continue to give and, you know, continue to be positive impacts on people's lives, man. Awesome, man. What do you, what do you see the future of apparel being? I, and I want to expand on the question before I let you dive into that, because we see, we see these futuristic concepts, let's say like the movie Tron, for example, I don't know if yeah. you're familiar, but yeah. you see things like that make you think, man, is that, you know, is that the future at some point of clothing? 
and whether it's 10 years or 100 years in the future you see something like um you know kanye's uh lineup when he did the the fashion tours um and and really introduce something totally different what do you see as the future of uh of clothing um, here? one thing i'm gonna say i think you're gonna see a lot of recyclables actually we were um i'm gonna let a cat out the bag we were looking uh we were talking with a, a sneaker manufacturer um and one of the things that shut down the conversation was they didn't have enough recyclable products um we wanted to make a sneaker it would have been a higher end price sneaker um but it would have been from all recyclable materials. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more of that. Okay. You're seeing it now with sneakers. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to see people embedding that a little more like jeans. You might have some plastic in jeans, but it's recycled plastic yeah. where it'll feel the same. Um, you're going to see, you're going to see a lot more polyesters because of the, the recycling of, of, of fabrics, of plastics and things of that nature. Um, I do think, like you said, like we spoke about before with the hemp, it's going to be very important because that's going to be completely nature-based and less, uh, less waste to the environment. Um, now, as far as the actual fashion itself, I'm not a fashion aficionado only because I like hoodies and tees and button downs, not a suit dude, but I do believe less is going to be more in the future. I, like I do believe I do believe that um you're gonna have people doing which would have been um taboo in the past. You wouldn't have been able to rock a pair of Gucci shoes with five dollar jeans. Um, but I believe you're gonna see things like that. You're gonna see the cross between luxury fashion, uh, minimalist fashion. I think you're gonna be see a lot more self-expression, like like in the 90s, you walked into the hood and everybody looked the same. I think you're going to mm -hmm. see a lot more self-expression. Like you might have two kids from the same environment who grew up exactly the same, but had two different tastes in clothes. You know, right. um, um, I think that's where it's going to go, man. I think I think a lot more, I think less is definitely going to be more in the future, man. Um, I mean, we're trying to lead that like, you know, we got some pieces with small designs on it because it's more about the, the, the fabric than it is our name. Yeah. You know, so... You're gonna see a lot more of that, you know. That's a, I mean, you, that's you're still gonna see the overprints, like you're still gonna see people like Gucci, 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 Gucci all over. Right. But I think <laughs> I think that's gonna be taken in. Now I don't want to say by less people, by by it's gonna be taken in by the people who only like that, opposed yeah. to people who are like I like that because you like that. You're gonna have people be like, it's not me. Like I don't, you know, it's not me. It's kind of it's kind of a, a mesh between. Just like the automobile industry, you know, mm -hmm. gas vehicles are still going to be around, but, you know, the future yes. is in these technologies. The future is somewhat like the sleek, minimalist concept with uh, combined with higher focus on functionality, you know, yes. and that's something I, I have this vision and not that I'm even in this world, but. I'm, I'm a visionary, you know, and I see mm -hmm. things before they happen, not like yeah. a psychic, but I envision these things and someone else is going to have the same idea at some point, you know, and so 
I have this concept, like you said, minimalism, but also the focus on functionality. So I see mm-hmm. something like a, like a Tron suit or something where it may be a hundred years down the road, but integrated with technology and to the point where, you know, you're going to be able to just wear something and be out in the cold. It's not going to look yeah. like, you know, a thick jacket anymore. It's going to be a suit that's regulating body temperature that's, you know, doing what it <laughs> needs to do. You know, it sounds crazy, but it's no, already... I'm, I'm laughing because they're already working on it. There's that's no... what I was about to say. Yeah, it starts with the military and then, yeah. you know, they, they, they test got things. these fibers that when, when your heat increases, the level of warmth of the jacket decreases. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because like I, there's a show, I love this show, man. It's called Abstract. It's on Netflix and it's all about creatives. And Tinker Hatfield was on there. Great, great Nike designer. I should say Jordan designer. Um, so he he designed the sneakers for Back to the Future, the, the mags. I have and, the I have those replicas, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. some replicas. They they're pretty close. Yeah. So he um in the show on abstract, he talks about how the worst feet in the world are basketball players. He said, and the reason being, he goes, and feet aren't meant to this. He goes, they're so bound by tape and the shoelaces, it damages their feet. Yep. He says, so in the future, and he's like, he actually already started working on this. He got a sneaker that he did with Nike and it laces by itself. Mm-hmm. So kind of like the mags, he did it. He actually like did the sneaker. So he yeah. was like, his goal is to make basketball sneakers that when somebody's at the foul line, the sneakers loosen up so they can shoot their foul shot. And as soon as they make a movement to run, it tightens up to hold in their ankle and the side of their feet. Yeah. When they come off the court, it'll loosen up to let their feet breathe. He goes, he goes, because he says, which I thought was genius in any aspect of any creative person. He says, when people design sneakers, they design fashion. When I design sneakers, I think about your feet, Mm. which sneakers are made for your feet. Yeah. I mean, clothes are meant to wear, you know, and, and I love to see this coming to life when people are integrating not just responsible practice. I mean, that's like a given. We live on earth. We should be treating the earth right, working with the environment, being smart with textiles. But that level of functionality, I think, I, man, I just, I can't, I can only imagine, you know, in my own mind, what that's going to mean for shoes like you're talking about. That's the first I've heard of that. Um, you know, like a dynamic piece of clothing that adjusts to not just to your life but to what you're actually doing in the moment that's exactly. that's incredible so i mean yeah, it, it makes perfect sense like it's, it's not just to be worn it's to be utilized and right. how are you utilizing it and are you making it in a way that others can utilize it yeah you know opposed to like, like now i gotta take this hoodie off and uh it's hot outside now i gotta put it on because it's cold outside. Mm. why don't yep. the hoodie adjust yeah yeah that's awesome man well is there anything else you'd like to add uh any key points for our audience to take away if someone is listening right now and they remember one thing from this conversation you know what would that be do whatever it is you want to be in life go do it 
if it doesn't work, that's fine, man. Just go do it. Stop sitting there. Stop waiting. Stop expecting people to help you. Go do it. If people help you, that's beautiful. If you have people that you can ask for help, that's beautiful. But none of that happens unless you start. You have to start. And please, man, like, like not everybody has to go to college. But everybody has to learn. Yes. You know, if, if college isn't your thing, that's fine. But if you're not going to go to college, you have to put that equal amount of time into learning what you want to do. So understand that, man. You have to, man. You got to learn. Like, you know, it's cool. You know what college is it for me? I get it. There are people out there it's not for. There are people who excel in college. Yep. But first learn you by doing. If you don't do, you'll never figure out who you are, man. Excellent. Excellent, man. Well, listen, I like to close out with this mantra, but before that, you know, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate you coming on here spending your time and energy, you know, offering these insights and information to people who are out there trying to figure out where to start, what they might be interested in and understand, you know, there's more than one way to hustle, more than one way to go out there and get it. So that's inspiring. Thank you, Eric, man. I appreciate you for having us, um, for having me and Delory Power on here. And, and it's insightful. I learned a lot, brother, and, and giving me the platform to just speak and tell people who we are and what we do. Thank you for that blessing, man. Absolutely. Thank you again. I'm going to close out with this mantra for those who are interested. In, and I'm going to tell you now, I've already checked out the lineup. You got some clean stuff in there. Go check out Delory Apparel. Links in the description below. And we're going to close out here with this mantra. And it's this, you have the power, you are the solution. Resist, defy, object. Take care of your world.